Hello, everybody, and welcome to Turn the Page, Season 3, Book 6, Sherlock Holmes Solo Mysteries, The Honor of the Yorkshire Light Artillery. What a title. Honestly, kind of sounds like a Wes Anderson. It does. It, it, it has this, this kind of, like, uh, painfully stilted construction, as well as a reverence for old and authorial structures. Yeah, I, I'm very in. The cover of this one, not to, I mean, two in a row. The cover of the last one was just this very stoic Watson. It, it felt like it set up, it, it felt like it set up the book very well. This one, mm. this cover looks like an accident. <laughs> like, as in, the, it looks like a picture of a guy who was not ready to have his picture taken with a gun pointed at him. Like, ooh. Mm -hmm. it's, it's an action It looks shot. like someone's jumping the gun at a jewel. Yeah, that's what it... You know what? Not honorable. Yorkshire Light Artillery. Not honorable at all. We're going to find out over the course of the story that shooting that man first actually turned out to be the most honorable thing and we're not allowed to report him for it. <laughs> yeah, we we have a track record of that, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. We solve a reasonable amount of crimes. We don't send many people to jail. Yeah, no, we don't do much about it. And uh... I, mainly I do it for my own curiosity. It's just my <laughs> own satisfaction. I don't want it to yeah. have any effect in the world. Well, I solve lots of problems and I've never sent anybody to jail. So I guess who am I to say anything? It's true. I've solved plenty of puzzles. Uh, jigsaw. Uh... Now, the last time I did sell a jigsaw, <laughs> I did send someone to jail. Look, that's true. <laughs> but it was a one-off. Except for the pro time before that, obviously. It, yeah, it, it was because... You weren't putting together a jigsaw puzzle. You were actually taping together a confession. <laughs> they'd, uh, they'd put it through a shredder. Yeah. It took us all night. Uh, yep. I really, it's, the, it's these weird new shredders that have jigsaw patterns in them. <laughs> it does make them a lot easier to fit together. I know. It's kind of weird, but like, oh, at the same point. This is all to say, burn your documents, people. If you yes. don't want to get locked up, burn your documents. Shred All of them. Birth certificate, gone. Shred them, and then burn them, and then it's a really hard jigsaw puzzle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Putting Ash back together is an hell of a it's, It sucks. It's not fun. Uh, either way, uh, are you ready to get into this? We have skeleton keys, apparently. What? <laughs> yes. So that seems OP. started with a walking stick, a set of skeleton keys. Or a magnifying glass. Uh, James G. Hurley, the character record of note here, does start with the skeleton key. This strikes me... So we have the choice of equipment. That's the first, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It is. And also, it's strange how much investment this game yeah. has in the inventory system for a game that also has never used the inventory Not system. Like, it's taken away our money, but it's never taken away nearly enough to ever mean anything. Mm -hmm. With considering it gives us the same thing every time at the beginning, but I will—I was going to say Which, the fact that we choose. I wouldn't be surprised if this is the first book that uses it. Because I, I wouldn't be surprised either. But like, I why? also imagine it would be limited to the area of if you have a magnifying yeah. glass, increase your observation by plus one for this. You're or something. probably right. If but if skeleton keys is just like a plus to artifice, like you. Tr Try and pick the door, like the the lock on this door, and skeleton keys is just like a plus one to that check. I'm gonna lose my mind. <laughs> I I like the idea of ordering a lock picking set online, and they send you a key. <laughs> 
this will do it. Just put it in and then turn. It's a it's a real like it's 100% effective lock picking kit. A, a beginner could use it. It just has to be on the right door. Yeah. It's a beginner problem that you have the wrong door that you're trying to do. <laughs> Honestly, skill issue. Find the right door. <laughs> okay. So are we going to pick skeleton keys Is since James G. Hurley has it, or should we consult? I'm happy to change it up for the magnifying glass for the possibility of the observation. I just don't see the utility in the walking cane. Yeah, unless it's like, give it to somebody. Like or Watson. maybe use it to thunk someone over the head, so plus yeah. the athletics. Could could well be. Uh, I'm I'm down for a magnifying glass, if for no other reason than it feels correct. Like, our, our thumbnail art has a magnifying glass, so we don't want to be Perfect. fibbers. This will work well, then. Let's head to the prologue. All right. It's a much shorter prologue. Well, they had to have space for the title, you see. <laughs> And it's about uh, net neutral. <laughs> Recently, the London newspapers have been filled with accounts of two jewel thefts at a country manor's west of England. You assume that your mentor, Sherlock Holmes, now back to life, will be asked to investigate the thefts and long for the day when you will be entrusted for such important ma matters. To your delight, you receive a note from your cousin, Dr. Watson, inviting you to come to 221B Baker Street, as you may be able to assist in a matter referred to Holmes. On a pleasant and surprisingly dry summer day in 1890, you waste no time in hurrying to Baker Street residence. As Mrs. Hudson opens the door, she seems perturbed and distracted. You'd best hurry, young man. There's a trip in the offing. I've made sandwiches. She whispers conspiratorially. You run up the stairs two at a time. Like a kid. Holmes and Watson greet you hastily. Inside the chilly, crowded room, your heart races to be so near the brilliant mind that you emulate. Question. Mm. Did you climb stairs weird as a kid? <laughs> I wasn't going to bring this up, but uh, I still do. I have very, <laughs> very, very long legs. Yeah. It almost feels weird to go one step at a time. That feels like I'm like putting limiters on. That Like I'm rockly training myself. <laughs> like... Like, I, don't I, don't need, I don't need that cardio. <laughs> yeah, I no, I feel like it's even more cardio to try yeah. and step over it. I'm just yeah, launching myself up of these. True, true. I could be having an awful day and then encounter a set of stairs and I'll still jauntily launch myself up the entirety of it. If you saw my life exclusively in the snippet that I was on that stairs, <laughs> you'd think I were the happiest person in the entire world. <laughs> so true. I... Yeah, but nothing weird though. Because I wouldn't, I wouldn't call that weird. I'd, I'd say that's just like skill. That's like reverse skill issue. That's okay, right? So does have... it count as weird if I had a third stair in? And I'm like, mm, yes, still got long okay. legs. I feel like it does start to get a little bit weird at at three. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. I'm now, what if I do the stair set in one leap? That would be no. I don't. I don't think that weird would be the word I'd use. <laughs> I think mm -hmm. I think that I would say, like, impressive, superhuman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I can't do that. Talk? Back to three set. That's what yes. I do. The three step. Yeah. I I guess I, I mentioned because as a kid, I would, like, get down on all fours and I would, like, sprint up like a wild animal. That's like, so much faster. If someone has carpeted, like, yeah, I did. someone who carpets their entire house and they've got a carpeted staircase, 
Absolutely. Yeah. That's it's, the it's, it's faster. It. It's faster. And I, I don't know. I never timed it, but in my head, I'm like, it is faster. And the fast way down the stairs, jump. Hurt. <laughs> yeah, it hurt. Yeah, yeah. It hurt. <laughs> it hurt real bad. <laughs> but anyways, okay. Not to derail I too I do much. love a banister. I do love a banister slide. I'll still commit to that from time to time. Occasionally in town, you'll see like a long metal rail that has absolutely no like intrusions on its top. And you're like... Absolutely. Yes. That's what it's made for, um, right? I'm Poppins. Let's go. Yeah. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Anywho, I uh, uh, apologies for the derail. By the bags resting by the door to their sitting room, you note that at least one of them is prepared to take a trip. Before you can press your cousin for news of the thefts and your involvement in the investigation, the detective cuts you off. Well, which one of us is traveling? Holmes asks, a uh, light of merriment in his eye. Examine the bags and see if you can tell. You study the customs markings on the luggage. Pick a number and add your scholarship. Needing <laughs> a seven. This could stand for anything, including John Watson. <laughs> Sean Hudson. Sean Hayes. Uh, need a seven. Got an eight. 306 we go. Well, that's right. There's a book we can search. I've still just been flicking to the <laughs> appropriate it's, page. I think it's faster. I think that that's the get, get it all on all fours and climb the stairs like a wild beast of what we're doing. It it seems, you know, like a regression, but I mm -hmm. don't. But it's not. You study the bags and then answer. Well, they've got to be yours, Mister Holmes. I recognize the custom markings of several countries which you visited in the course of your investigations, and cousin John hasn't left England since his marriage. Very good, Holmes says quietly. Now, let me tell you why I sent for you. Because I forgot if these were my bags. <laughs> you solved it. Leave. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> Turn to 317. I have been asked to investigate recent jewel thefts in Devon and Cornwall. Holmes explains. Concurrently, another gentleman has asked for my assistance in protecting a great treasure. As I am otherwise engaged, you must go in my place. Fortunately, Watson has also been invited, so you may travel with him without arousing comment. Watson will enjoy your company, as will his good wife, who is dead in the story, I think, at this point. Wasn't that like one book back? Yeah. He moved on. Good for him, I guess. <laughs> Watson will enjoy your company, as will his good wife is visiting a sick friend in Sussex. What am I to do? You inquire. Is there reason to suspect another theft? I hesitate to comment without further evidence. Holmes answers, raising a long finger as he pauses to listen. Ah, a cab downstairs. That'll be Colonel Dunlop. Mrs. Hudson escorts the colonel to Holmes's door, and the portly middle-aged man is soon seated in a com comfortable chair, a glass of brandy in his hand. Is this the substitute you've arranged? The stout military man asks, nodding towards you. He looks quite young. He should fool any potential thief, then. Holmes replies. He is willing to accept the work. Perhaps you would be so kind as to explain your needs to the young Mr. Hurley. The colonel frowns. I've retired from the army. He begins. And now live in Eagle Towers, near Gunston in Yorkshire. Among the units I have the honor of commanding was the Yorkshire Light Artillery, a reserve unit with a proud history going back to Wellington's day. Uh, every year in the summer, I visit 
Uh, so I invite those men who have a connection with the unit to visit my home to keep alive its tradition and glory until the day that the unit may be activated again. During that brief annual period, the greatest of the Yorkshire's light trophies is on display in my library. Uh, what trophy? You ask, scribbling a few notes. The colonel takes a deep breath, perhaps bored. <sighs> a jeweled golden eagle, a foot high, is priceless for their courageous actions at the Battle of Vittoria, where they helped the Highlanders capture a French eagle, Wellington allowed the Yorkshire Lights to add an eagle to the battery honors. Uh, the officers made it from gold and jewels captured from the French baggage train. And why do you fear its theft? You ask. Have you invited suspicious guests to the reunion? I cannot be certain. He answers, grasping for the correct phrase. But these... Terrible incidents would give any man pause. In addition, for the caution expected of anyone responsible for so valuable a treasure, it happens that my niece's fiance, Harris, will also be one of the guests this evening. Do you distrust them? You ask. I actually do not distrust Harris, the colonel insists, looking uncomfortable. However, he was a guest at two other mansions where thefts occurred. And while he seems to be well off, I cannot discern how he makes that money. There are one or two other guests whom I don't know well. I had already invited Dr. Watson, whom I'd met in Afghanistan, so you'll have no undue comment as an additional guest. And I must admit, the colonel concludes, I would just feel more comfortable if there was someone on the premises actively protecting the eagle. Uh, Mr. Holmes has already recommended you, as he can't come himself, and I will pay you well. I accept the invitation. You all answer at once. When shall we arrive? The reunion begins tomorrow, Wednesday. The colonel replies. Take the morning train from King's Cross Station and change at South Riding to the local time to Gunston. You should arrive in the middle of the afternoon. I must hurry to catch my own train. The colonel adds, rising as he drains the glass of brandy. I shall see you at the Eagle Towers tomorrow afternoon. He nods to Holmes and Watson and then leaves. After the colonel's gone, Watson asks Holmes, Do you think there's any basis for his fears? He presented as an interesting thesis to support his, his suspicions, rather, of his son-in-law-to-be. Holmes smiles, perhaps amused at your cousin's tortured phrase. I think you and your cousin will have a very pleasant weekend at the colonel's expense. He says. But I may be wrong. I have a complete list of guests and... None seems like a likely jewel thief to me, but the trip will do neither of you any harm. If I finish my own investigations quickly, I will come to Gunston myself. There are documents in the town hall that I should examine to prepare my monograph for the early English charters. Good hunting. In one smooth motion, Holmes picks up his bags and hurries down the stairs. His whistle quickly summons a hansom, and you hear him tell the cabman to take him to Paddington. I'll pick you up at your lodgings in the morning. Dr. Watson says as you prepare to leave. He flips open the Bradshaw to confirm his memory. Uh, train leaves at half past seven, so be ready early. Back at your quarters, you pack and try and get sleep early, but you find yourself too excited to rest. Your mind is ablaze with villainous scenarios. The next morning dawns overcast, but you're ready and waiting when Watson comes by in a growler. Neither of you speaks of the case until you're settled into your compartment on the train a half hour later. I'll enjoy this weekend, Watson predicts, watching pa the passing of many nameless strangers in the station. Even if we have no such adventures, 
Holmes, however, would detest the weekend. Unless he had an investigation in hand. He's a Londoner to the core of his being and has no love for any other place on earth. Has Holmes ever told you about other jewel thefts? You ask Watson as the train jerks to start and leaves the station. Just what kind of theft might be asked to stop? Oh, you know, Holmes. Watson answers obliquely. He's never willing to say anything until he's examined the scene of the crime. But I have looked through the newspaper accounts on police reports that were sent to Holmes. The Bristol and Falmouth papers carried much longer accounts than the London dailies. Would you like me to summarize my notes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me what you learned. You say, settling back to listen as suburban London rushes past your window. Looking pleased, Watson pulls a bunch of papers from his pocket. The first theft took place in a mansion owned by Lord Dodge, about ten miles outside Plymouth. At the same time, at, rather, at the time of the theft, he had a house full of guests, plus servants, of course. It was a cry of fire one night when everyone had gone to bed and all fled the house. The butler then found that someone had set ablaze a pile of wet straw in the back hall and produced a good deal of smoke without doing much damage, admittedly. The next morning, one of the ladies discovered that her diamond and pearl necklace worth 10,000 was gone. Uh, presumably someone set fire to the straw to produce the smoke and then took advantage of the confusion to steal the necklace, which he must have known about. You mutter. And the other theft? Oh, that occurred at Tristram House, near Tingertill in Cornwall. Replies Watson. Again, there was a grand to-do, one again with many dozen guests. They played cards late one night, with everyone participating. When they retired to their rooms, one of the ladies screamed out of fear. Others rushed to a room to discover a ladder leaning against an open window. The lady's jewel case had been forced open and some 5,000 worth of rings and bracelets were gone. A second theft, followed by the first, only a week passed, created a major scandal. It'd seem as if the rogue is working his way west. You comment, reviewing the facts as your cousin has stated them. If the cad travels west from Cornwall, he'll be forced to commit the next theft on the high seas. Watson laughs. But Holmes would see right through him, even though they waited so long to invite him to investigate the case. As Watson talks further, you pause and contemplate the facts that you've learned. Pick a number and add your intuition. Needing an eight. Ooh, getting an eight. Four twenty-nine. You know, Cousin John. You say softly. I somehow doubt that one thief committed both those crimes. The first crime appears to be an uh, inside job, as they say, while the second seems to be the work of a more opportunistic burglar. <laughs> that may be, Watson says, chuckling. But whether there was one thief or two or, or ten, we shall have a difficult time explaining matters to Holmes until the jeweled eagle is stolen while we're there. Check deduction one and turn to 468. So if we failed that, would we... Well, we probably would have had another opportunity to... I would hope, at least, to deduce that. It is possible, but also, a lot of the times when deductions are checked, it's, do you have one, or the, true, or true, three? True, 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 As the train carries you west and beyond the furthest reaches of London, Watson pulls a book from his pocket and settles himself more comfortably in his seat. He seems to take no notice of the pleasant green countryside rolling by at a speeding glance. Uh, what are you reading, John? You ask, curious. He shows you the cover of a book. It's a novel. Micah Clark by my friend, Dr. Conan Doyle. <laughs> he has a gift for historical romance. This one's set in the days of Monmouth's revolution. He pauses and then adds, I have one or two things you might want to read. Your cousin offers you two pamphlets. 
One is entitled The Art of Jewel Theft, written by a man Holmes sent to Dartmoor. The other is a history of the Yorkshire Light Artillery. Um, if you read The Art of the Jewel Theft, 137, history of... Well, they are both relevant, but one is the name of the book, basically. That's true. So and can, then the third option. Third option is take a nap. If you take a nap. Oh, the reading is nerd stuff. My, take a nap. If they hit me like later and they say, you're too too tired because you didn't check deduction whatever two or whatever. <laughs> you, you didn't take a nap, so you're sleepy, so you can't chase him. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be upset. I um, think that would be appropriate. I would hope instead it were, if you took a nap, get a plus one to your next athletics and observation or something like that. But I don't yeah, know if this game I, works yeah, in such a fashion. Yeah, I think that's too far. I, what are you, where, where are you leaning for the books? Which one? So they're both pamphlets. I wonder True. if we have any world in which we do get to read both. True, but if you had to choose... Just it really feels can't. like I should probably go Yorkshire Light Artillery because it would give us more information about the possible motives of the people at play. And we definitely have a harder time finding motives on average, yes. it seems like. So I Methodology in. comes easy. Motive. That's hard. 347. 347. Click the wrong way. Wondering if it'll do you any good, you begin to read through the history of the Yorkshire Light Artillery. Quickly, you realize that the battery is not a permanent army unit, but rather it's a reserve unit activated when expansion of the army is necessary. In spite of this status, however, it enjoyed a long and gallant history, serving with Wellington in the peninsula at Water- and at Waterloo. The Yorkshire Lights were activated again for the Crimean War, later saw action in Africa in the 1870s. Your host, Colonel Dunlop, was its last commander. So successful was he that he was promoted and given command of several batteries in Afghanistan. The eagle called the honor of the Yorkshire lights in the pamphlet was made from gold and jewels looted from the French at the battle of Vittoria at 1813. According to the account, the honor was carved from oak then covered in gold and finally decorated in diamonds, rubies, and pearls. It is kept in a bank vault in York, except for the week of the annual reunion. As you read through the battle accounts that dot the history, you come across one interesting event that is annually staged at the reunion. It seems that in 1815, only a few days before the Battle of Waterloo, two junior officers named Sneed and Mortimer, not suspicious names at all, exchanged shots in a duel. A widower, Sneed, planned to marry Mortimer's sister and was insulted when Mortimer blocked the ceremony. In the duel, Mortimer fired quickly and missed, Sneed, known to be a dead shot, deliberately fired over Mortimer's head. Though the post-duel courtesies revealed that a mutual dislike remained. The Battle of Waterloo brought out the men's true mettle. Amidst the horrors of the day, each man saved the other's life more than once, although both men suffered mortal wounds before the sun had set on Wellington's victory. Their shared gallantry assumed a place in the regiment's history equal to that of winning the eagle. The duel is refought every year at Colonel Dunlop's reunion, lost in the pamphlet's account of the siege of Sevastopol, Sevastopol in 1856. You feel the train begin to slow. Looking up, you see that Watson's stowing his own book in his coat pocket and checking his other luggage. Check off clue A and turn to 329. That's a big pamphlet. That's a big pamphlet. <laughs> That's a big pamphlet. Maybe it was a book. 
329. Speaking of a book, 329. Oh, we're coming into South Riding. Watson explains, tucking away the booklets. Here we take the branch line to Gunston, eh? Nodding, you follow Watson as you step from your compartment and cross the platform in the clear, warm summer air. At a word from your cousin, a porter points to the local train loading passengers and cargo. You two have just time to climb aboard. Not a cloud in the sky. Watson muses, and ever the, tec- ever the detective, you immediately spy on one spy one on the western horizon. The branch's train seats are hard and seem to be designed at an angle that transmits the full impact of every turn in the track directly to the sorry passenger's rump. <laughs> you quickly realize that the roadbed could use attention and begin to count the minutes until you reach your destination. Conversation is impossible above the noise of the growling engine, and the immediate stops only make the jolting worse. Finally, the pair of you reach Gunston, and with a gasp of relief, Watson staggers from the carriage, with you a step behind. Outside the handsome one-story brick station, a liveried servant waits with a well-polished broham. 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 (laughs) After a word with Watson, he helps you in. The soft cushions are a delight after the train ride, and the carriage rolls so smoothly that it hardly seems to be moving. The fresh air and sunshine warm and heal you, and in twenty minutes the carriage enters the spacious grounds of Eagle Towers, a fine brick mansion placed at the top of a gentle hill. Groves of trees and apple orchards surround the manor, and as you dismount from the broham, the colonel steps out to greet you warmly and to lead you up to your room. I'm delighted to see you. He says warmly to Dr. Watson, and merely nodding to you. And Watson, change as quickly as you can, gentlemen. Then join us in the tea for library, won't you? Other guests have arrived. A quarter of an hour later, you descend the wide staircase beside your cousin. The library stands just to your left. You can see that it was formerly a part of the Grand Entrance Hall. There's an arched doorway that leads into it from the hall, and as you step through, the colonel grips your hand and leads you in. Oh boy. The library is an elegant wood-paneled room, two stories high. The shelves that line the three sides rise to the ceiling. A gallery circles these shelves at the level of the upper hall, reached by a spiral stair within the library. The fourth wall, which faces the hall's entrance, shelters a grand stone fireplace with comfortable couches and chairs on either side. The stone mantle rises 15 feet above the floor, and on this raised shelf is the golden eagle perched like a gift from the gods. For a moment, your eyes are riveted on the treasure. Bright gold worked beautifully and highlighted by many gems. Then the colonel proposes to introduce you to the other guests. The first guest you meet, Captain Leaf, is a ruddy-faced, stoutly built old officer who immediately launches a tale of his adventures in Afghanistan. For a moment, you fear you may not have the time to meet any of the other guests today. Happily, you're rescued by a lovely, fair-haired young woman. Oh, Uncle Alex. She laughs, scolding your host. How could you start about the poor souls of the captain? They might never meet the others. To your surprise, Leaf laughs at the joke and drifts off to trap someone else with his tails. My niece, Ellis, then rather. (laughs) Embarrassing. (laughs) The colonel says briefly, clearly worshipping the girl as she pulls you away. And this is my fiance, Robert Harris. She says, presenting you a lean, tanned, and well-dressed young man. Robert, these are my uncle's newest guests, Dr. John Watson of London and his cousin, Mr. Hurley. Hmm. 
You shake hands with Harris. He has a firm, strong grip that seems to match his honest face. If you talk to Harris, 154, otherwise 590. Nah, no need. Honest face. Got him. He's, <laughs> he's fine. Cleared. I mean, that's a power play, but I'm kind of like it. No, we should talk to him. I kind of like it, though. <laughs> but yeah, I'm fine. 154. I guess we should get information from someone we think is honest, too. You talk to Harris for a few minutes, trying to steer the conversation to topics such as what Harris does with his time. But the task is made quite difficult by Miss Dunlop's affectionate presence. Pick a number and add your communication bonus. Needing a nine. Not g getting it. That's a four. 580. It was a hard roll anyway. To be expected, we fail more. You learn very little from your conversation with Harris. He turns the talk back to the events of the weekend, mentioning with special relish the shooting contest scheduled for the morrow. You'd best take cover when Robert's shooting. Mrs. Miss Dunlop adds. The safest place for all is behind the target. <laughs> she jests. As he frowns at her sally, she drags him off to the serving table, heavily laden with cakes and sandwiches. Turn to 590. Stop mentioning sandwiches. That sounds so good. Legitimately. Just, just, like, just, uh, just like a textbook cartoon sandwich. I I want a uh, Shaggy and Scooby sandwich. Mm. I want like it's stacked high. I want to see multiple different layers of multiple different deli meats and cheeses with just red stuff. Assumedly yep. tomato. Just a lump of red in there somewhere as well. Yep. And you have to, you have to tilt back your head and unhinge your jaw and then yep. you eat the entire sandwich with multiple toothpicks in it. <laughs> Spit out the toothpicks at the end like it yeah. wouldn't be a problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just, it just, you eat the full sandwich. There's probably like eight on there. They have olives. And then you uh, you start shooting them out like a machine gun at the end. That's, <laughs> you shoot out the pits from the olives. And then mm -hmm. you shoot out the, the toothpicks as well. There. Holy I've, I've seldom seen something more appealing that is also more unrealistic than the classic cat picking up a fish by its tail, inserting it into its mouth, and removing exclusively the skeleton. Like, if meat was just that fall off the bone, it's not possible. You're gonna get so many bones. But it does look deeply appealing when it's done. <laughs> it's like r slash oddly satisfying, and it's... Mm. someone <laughs> Clean that bone in one bite. That would exactly fit on the front page of our slash yeah. satisfying oddly satisfying and satisfying True. in fact even just the straight up satisfying subreddit which i'm assuming exists i you can't not there's I, gotta be oddly satisfying satisfying and then obviously satisfying three yeah <laughs> and then yeah and then there's scientifically engineered to be satisfying Mm-hmm. <laughs> which honestly is most of the stuff on the other ones anyways look what i happen to see mm, okay uh, 590. As you turn from the receding Harrison, Miss Dunlop, the colonel rejoins you. He leaves and introduces you to Dr. Cunningham, a gossipy old man who ties up Watson with professional talk for several long minutes. Breaking loose from Dr. Cunningham, you meet Lieutenant John Mortimer, his sister Susan, and a fellow named Robert Sneed. The Mortimer siblings are tall, with dark brown hair and vivid eyes. While Miss Mortimer seems as lively as Miss Dunlop, her brother is much more serious. Sneed is a bit of a puzzle to you, even after you're told that he is to marry Miss Mortimer shortly. A man of medium height, indeed. He is not much taller than his fiancée with straight black hair, and Sneed seems a friendly, rather simple fellow. 
With his accent, he tells you he's a Canadian. <laughs> to you, he appears to be a fish out of water. With the bones still in, why is he here? <laughs> if you ask Sneed, why are you here? <laughs> Turn to 262, otherwise 436. What a confronting thing to ask someone. Why are you here at a party? <laughs> I, mean, I, I feel like I would leave in yeah. response to that. Like, why am I? Why, why am you? I here? I'll You're see right. you after a crisis that You're I need right. to go have. I put myself in a situation where I'm in talking range of somebody. Why am I here? I made a mistake. I made a mistake. I, I'm, at, I'm somewhere I can get asked a question. What? Whoa. I am out of water. Oof. Uh, we should probably talk to Sneed. Let's do it. To 262. You search your mind for the proper question and then say, It's a pleasure to meet a loyal Canadian, Mr. Sneed, with what I can only assume is going to be an absolutely perfect Canadian accent. <laughs> but it must be a strange path that led you here today. He looks a little bit surprised and then with perfect diction says, I, I've been very lucky, friend. <laughs> he laughs, covering a mouthful of ugly teeth. Roast him, jeez. You have to understand that we do not have good dentists in French Canada. Yeah. I came across some business with letters of introduction to the colonel. It only so happens that my great-grandfather served in the Yorkshire Lights at Waterloo, and the colonel insisted that I come to the reunion to celebrate the 75th anniversary of that battle. And by greater fortune, he has introduced me to Suzanne, who has decided to marry me and return home to Canada. Sneed playfully raises a toast to his fiancée, who smiles in return. In just two weeks, we shall be married, and in three weeks, our ship sets sail for my homeland. The delighted bridegroom-to-be winks playfully at Miss Mortimer, who blushes and lowers her head. If you ask further questions of Sneed, 582, otherwise 436. Um... Hands up. I got my hand up. Yes. Uh, thank you. Um, he's going to be marrying a Miss Mortimer. His name is Sneed. He was in a special invite to this event, and they host a reunion of a duel between Sneed and Mortimer. Hmm. What's going on here? We need to learn a little bit more about this situation. I don't get why that would be relevant. Yes. Let's go to 582. Also, they are just roasting the head of him. He's... Got the he's a he's a simple man, uh, average height, less than average or less than average height, just the worst teeth you've ever you've ever seen. This is a mistake of a man. <laughs> God said, "I'm gonna have a little fun with this today," <laughs> and he made Robert Sneed. <laughs> As you chat with Robert Sneed and Miss Mortimer, <laughs> now let's now let's try a silly one. <laughs> <laughs> this one's gonna have bunny ears. <laughs> uh, you try and consider just what to ask him. What questions would be the most provocative, yet not too forward? If you ask him why he first came to England, turn to five seventy one. Otherwise, three eighty five. Why are you here in this yeah. country? <laughs> Just step it up a level from the previous. I think this is still an appropriate thing to ask of someone <laughs> yeah. who is mentioning that they're going back there as soon as they're done. Why are you at this party? Ah, okay. Why are you in this country? 
We're going to move all the way up to Earth universe. Who are we? Why? Why? Why Just do we exist? Why? why? Do you believe in uh, in aliens? <laughs> are you an alien? Five seventy one. Just for how long have you been in England? You ask Sneed. Uh, what about two months or thereabouts? He replies, nibbling on a sandwich. I'm in the shipping business in Canada, and I am here to make credit arrangements, which can only be made in person. I had intended to stay only for a few weeks, but other matters lengthened the visit. He says, smiling at Susan Mortimer, who laughs with him. If you ask him more about his business, turn to 370, otherwise 385. He just mentioned his business. It's not rude to ask. He brought it up first. Why are you in this business? If he gets defensive, we know it's him. True. Uh, what do you ship? You ask Sneed. Oh, various items. Mm, not the question. <laughs> he answers evasively. Shipping is the art of getting things from where they are <laughs> to where they are needed. In a rough country like Canada, you, <laughs> what? you must use every means at your disposal. I really cannot say much more. Webster's Dictionary defines shipping as... <laughs> the art of getting things from where they are to where they are not. <laughs> and then they will are be there. He adds obliquely. I would not want my plans to become public knowledge. You glance at Watson, who has joined you, and see the same question in his eyes. Could the mysterious Mr. Sneed's shipping business be merely a euphemism for smuggling? Regardless, it would be useless to inquire further at this time. Why would you just ask? Return to 385. You commit any crimes, sir? Sneed? You, you a smuggler? <laughs> you, you have to tell me if you're a smuggler. You got a smug look. 385. You continue to talk politely with Sneed about upcoming events at the Towers and wonder how he managed to become engaged to Miss Mortimer so quickly. Why are you in this relationship? Jesus. What does she see in you? <laughs> what do you bring to the table, ugly tooth? <laughs> I see the way you smile. It's gross. Have you ever considered not smiling? Just when you're happy, don't smile about it. That, just, just be nice to the rest of us. Here, I got you some platform shoes so that you're a normal height. <laughs> I cannot help you with the fact that you are simple. I want his self-acceptance arc. <laughs> yeah, we're the bad people. Uh, she seems to come from the sort of stuffy conservative family that would object to her marrying a man she'd only known for a few months. If you ask him about his romance, turn to 438, otherwise 436. He just mentioned it himself. He was smiling at her. He smiled about it. 438. You smiled. You smiled at my ward, sir. Uh, yeah, 438. Wait, you've been with us for only two months? You ask in a surprised tone. Well, there must be truth to descriptions of the energy of colonists. You not only carried out your business, you'll carry away one of our fairest ladies. You bow slightly to Miss Mortimer. However did you manage such a conquest so quickly? <laughs> Barf. <laughs> need a uh, communication bonus. Need a nine. Getting a ten. Ooh. We can figure out how he managed such a conquest so quickly. That's some... That's some uh, area of TikTok that I don't want to be in. Nonsense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the the reason that uh, roll was so hard to succeed is because it was a dumb thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> mm, boy. 
Sneed's handsome face. <laughs> Ugly toothed, simple, handsome faced man. <laughs> <laughs> With perfectly straight teeth. This is just uh, he's got wretched teeth and he's very handsome. Just keep your mouth closed. Don't you dare laugh. Don't you dare smile. Uh, handsome face darkens, and then he suddenly laughs. I think so. He says. That my success shows that I am an extraordinarily fortunate man. It has very little to do with energy or any other good quality, I fear. It happens so that when I was first visiting Colonel Dunlop with letters of introduction, he took me to a party at the Watford's. There had been some family dispute, and in return, I believe that Susan was seeking to shock her parents. A Canadian fiancé fitted her needs, and I wouldn't let her break the engagements once it was announced. <laughs> I am nothing if not dog-eared, so. At first, Susan looks outraged, then she bursts into a fit of laughter. <laughs> Come along, Robert, she says. You must find me more tea, or I shall never speak to you again. Turn to 436. Huh? Is she telling the truth? <laughs> is this... I can't tell how much of that was a joke from him. There is... I don't think any of it, frankly. Yeah. And I think that there is an air of conspiracy here in that I... I don't think Susan thinks Robert is living through the night. Uh. <laughs> like, I, I uh. think... I think she, there, she has an awareness of the possible outcome of a possible re-duel that might become the crime that we are trying here to solve. Yeah. Uh, that would also and I think she's hiding her uh, outrage with him because she doesn't want to be counted as someone who might have conspired towards such a thing. Yeah. Or she could... It could be the convenient way for her to get out of the, <laughs> the marriage instead of having a confrontation. Exactly. <laughs> Which, I mean, hey, we've all been there. We've all had someone shot to get out of a relationship, right? <laughs> Just, it's, with it's, a French-Canadian man? <laughs> with, with a beautiful face and ugly and teeth. And awful teeth! <laughs> As the Mortimers and Sneed turn away from you, you seek out the colonel. He's standing with a plump, red-faced man of 30 years drinking brandy rather than tea. The colonel presents him as Mr. Hunter Fox... Huh. With two X's. Son of a former commander of the Yorkshire Lights. So you have met our Canadian ally. Fox says in a nasty tone of voice. It is well for us that our friend Sneed is here for only three weeks more, or England might become a colony of Canada. The colonel attempts to cover this remark with a joke, but it fails miserably. The colonel adds, <laughs> Now, Hunter, he only took what you'd lost already. Take it like a man. Their comments are something of a mystery to you. If you ask them about their comments, 268, otherwise 471. Do, do your comments imply the obvious interpretation of this, which is to say that the relationship between Sneed and Mortimer is in the way of a relationship you were pursuing, Hunter Fox? And also, by the way, I love someone whose name is also just their hobby. Yeah. What do you like to do? Hunter Fox. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm in. And then just throwing on the extra X so that you can be, you can get that name on EverQuest. He can get hired in Hollywood with that. Yeah, For an yeah, action yeah. role, exclusively. Yeah, 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 but yeah. a couple of action roles. And he could easily be on a, a, an A rating team for his guild. Ooh, easily. Easily. Uh, 
Are we gonna ask about this obvious thing? So like, I almost feel like that would like. I I don't know if we need confirmation on this, and I worry that they're gonna feel it's rude. I'm down to skip it. Let's do it. If I was role playing as myself, I wouldn't have asked any questions so far. Yeah, I wouldn't have attended. <laughs> I wouldn't be here. So. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I here? <laughs> You're relieved when the colonel tells Fox that he must introduce you to the other guests. The remaining two guests stand talking in a corner. The taller man is obviously an officer or ex-officer with a stiff, disciplined-looking man of 35 or so. The other man is a short and slender man with lined face and thinning hair. Dunlop introduces the tall fellow as Lieutenant Jackson and the others as Thomas Grayson, a solicitor from York. As you chat with them, you wonder why the solicitor is here. He appears to be no more than a casual acquaintance of the colonel. My, <laughs> we are one mixed group, you say, laughing nervously. I feel less out of place than I did at first. Uh, but what brings you here, Mr. Grayson? You ask. Thomas is my guest. Lieutenant Jackson interjects, puffing out his chest. He was kind enough to make a special trip to my place at South Riding Monday to order to bring me, in order rather, to bring me several important papers. He was then forced to stay over in order to review them with me. Naturally, when Colonel Dunlop came but I home on Tuesday afternoon, he insisted that Thomas join us on the weekend. They have known each other for many years. As the conversation turns to other topics, you consider the lieutenant's comments for a moment. Pick a number and add your intuition. Needing a 7, getting a 10. Three, seven, Hell four. yeah. I am really interested in the result of this one. I've got great news. We'll find out. As you think over the story, you feel sure that Grayson arranged to be invited to Eagle Towers for the weekend. You wonder if he had any motive beyond enjoying a luxurious weekend. Check deduction 3 and turn to 315. So that is the assumption that that is not a, uh, a a cascade of coincidences that resulted in him being there at the time that the colonel arrived for the invitations. Mm. Mm. Love it. That is that is that, that seems is juicy. And inf- mm-hmm. That yeah. Why do you want to be here? Why, why do any why, of us want to be here? <laughs> this is a party. What? Who are we? Who are we fooling? <laughs> like the apps are gone. Why? Why are we here? Don't understand. They're not bringing more out. They're they're, they're not replenishing those. I had. I. They're gone. I know. I had most of them. I was over there with the dog. I had as like two plates of chips and dip, and I want to go home now. That Why are you here? Incredible. That sounds. I actually want to go to a party now because I do feel like I'm allowed to have like chips and a dip of some kind. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that's that's a that's Mario immunity stuff from calories or from yes. the, the macronutritional deficit, right? Like I will eat awfully if I'm outside the house. Yes, that doesn't count. It's a it's a lot. Well, it's kind of like a well, I i have to be at a party so i might as well get something one <laughs> yeah, for exactly. one for you one for me you being the person that's trying <laughs> uh you continue with 315 right continue to talk to jackson and grayson and after covering the shooting match grayson turns his eye to you the eagle have you ever seen the like he asks you uh, who nah you reply hey, what a Magnificent work of art. It's a shame that it's locked away so much of the time. It's a necessary precaution, says Grayson. 
Aside from the value of the eagles and the treasures, a work of art, the golden jewels themselves are worth more than £10,000. I helped the colonel arrange to insure it. Check deduction four. Return to 128. What's deduction four? He wipes uh, it so out Grayson more? insured the, uh, the eagle for them. Gotcha. That would explain their relationship, so no problem. But also... It probably means that he doesn't feel like he would be betraying the colonel by stealing it, as it would be replaced with the insurance. True. I'm building motive for this man. And you know what? If all of this turns out to be wrong and it's not him, I have a Too perfect bad. excuse to frame him. <laughs> we can frame him so well. Ooh, so frameable. He's got a face made for jail. <laughs> <laughs> and, a teeth, and teeth made for hell. <laughs> Everyone here has such bad teeth and such beautiful faces. <laughs> so gorgeous, so handsome. Wow. Gradually, so the tea... simple. It's so simple. It's so good. Gradually, the tea breaks up and the other guests drift out of the library. As Beach the Butler. What? Beach the Butler. I have never heard of that as a name. I am trying to think of a beached butler, and the thing is, it's still just like a butler in full, like, tails, just lying on his side on the beach. Isn't a beach butler a lifeguard? Kind of. As are, butlers, uh, <laughs> are butlers bound to save you in any way? I mean, uh, Alfred is. That's true, but he goes above and beyond the call of duty. Yeah, That's because he's... he's also friends with Bruce. That's what makes their relationship so strong in the comics. Mutual respect. Okay. All right. And a paycheck. The paycheck is very important. The mutual respect is not there without the paycheck. <laughs> As you have my respect on the clock, Bruce. It's <laughs> true. Yeah. I don't know. At some points, he's treated like the father, you know, that Batman mm -hmm. no have. And other times, he, he's just a butler. It's an interesting thing. Anyways, uh, our beach butler... Our lifeguard, as Beach the butler, I just can't with that name, uh, supervises the other servants tidying the room. The colonel beckons you. Uh, you've never visited Eagle Towers before, he says genially. Would you like me to show you around? Naturally, you accept the offer, and the colonel leads you through the side portal into the drawing room. After you compliment him on his collection of portraits and wood carvings, <laughs> why is that funny? But it is. Why is that it's funny? hilarious because I imagine we can't leave this room until we compliment him on his collection of portraits and wood carvings. Like, we're trapped in this room with him expectantly gazing at us, waiting. Yeah, like, he leads us, like, really, right, like a like a escort quest. And then, then we, start to, we start to think that the quest is bugged as we sit, sit there and he's just looking straight forward at the wood carvings and portraits. Until you say something, and as soon as you do, are these uh, of, quite uh, any quite a quality, a particular quality that can be mentioned. <laughs> uh, much of my self worth is tied up in uh, the appreciation of these portraits and wood carvings. Would take quite an eye to curate this collection, of course. <laughs> One might say <laughs> soon. I was just at my friend's place. He had a similar collection. I. Paid him quite the compliment on it. Lavished praise on him for that, as one ought. Anyways, um, uh, yeah. 
<laughs> he leads you out the door and into a gun room. <laughs> uh, this is what I would have had to do if you didn't proceed to compliment of course. <laughs> the gun room is a long, narrow room running along the back of the house. Many old weapons, ranging from medieval longbows to brown bess muskets, line the inside walls lit by three windows on the back wall. Racks of rifles and shotguns fill the wall between the windows. A glass-fronted cupboard stands at the far end. It contains several pistols surrounding a pair of dueling pistols and in a walnut case lined with green velvet. As the colonel talks of the history of many of the weapons, you glance around the room. Pick a number and add your observation. Needing an eight, getting eight, nine. Hmm. 359. The colonel ram As the colonel rambles on, you notice a door in the inner wall, an entrance almost hidden by two huge battle flags. Hey, where does that little door lead? You ask the colonel, interrupting his lecture. Uh, oh, that? He says in an offhand way. Oh, you need not worry about that. It leads into the library, but it's locked from the other side and bolted top to bottom. A thief might be able to use it to escape from the library, but he'd have to be a very skillful villain in order to enter the library by that route. Eh, thank you. You answer, glancing around for any significant exits. The colonel launches into the story of the standards, which almost hide the small portal. Check clue B and turn to 487. We're doing good on these. We've got clues A, B, and deductions 1, 3, and 4. One assuming the that deduction 2 would have been reading the other pamphlet. One would imagine. Oh, no, hang on. A different clue would have been reading the other pamphlet. Sorry. True, 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 true. True clue. Colonel Dunlop concludes his discussion of the weapons, then points to a door in the back wall. Uh, that door leads to the terrace outside. He explains. But it shouldn't be a concern to you. It is locked both day, uh, sorry, it is both locked and barred at night. You nod in understanding and make way for the colonel as he leads you back to the library. No one else is in the room. I asked my niece to take everyone out to look at the horses. The colonel explains. I wanted to allow you to look over the security of this room without interruption. You begin with the main entrances, noting that there is a sliding grate which closes each closes each of the two archways, a padlock and chain securing them. The high mantle over the fireplace forms a wide shelf perfectly suited to display a variety of artwork. The colonel mentions that he usually sets a bust of Wellington there, which is only removed when the eagle is brought out for the reunion. You then turn your attention to the eagle. The golden bird is mounted on a heavy wooden base, which has polished steel rings at each corner. Chains run from the back of the shelf through these rings on either side and are secured by padlocks on the front. Pick a number and add your observation, needing an eight. Jeez. Okay. We have been doing good. And it stops here. And it stops here. Uh, that's a five. Four, yeah, four plus one is a five. We're on going to 164. Casually, you glance around the library again, impressed by the number and variety of books on the shelves. Then something catches your eye near the fireplace. Wait, is this correct? Yeah. This is a failure? Hmm. This is a failure, apparently. I guess there's more that we could have deduced. Partially screened by a chair, there's a small hatch two feet square. Only a child could enter it easily, but you wonder where it might lead and why it was built there. Hey, what's that small hatch doing? You ask the colonel. Could someone use it? Oh, no, no, no. It's not good for anything. He answers. That used to be a dumbwaiter, but it doesn't work any longer. 
My father rearranged the kitchen and blocked the hatch in the basement, so we also blocked it up in the upgoing, uh, sorry, and we also blocked up the opening stairs. In addition to the fact that it leads nowhere, it doesn't even work properly. When you work the ropes, it won't go down at all. It stops halfway to the upper floor if you pull it up. A thief somehow climbed into that thing. He'd probably be capturing himself for us. <laughs> he laughs heartily. Check clue C and turn to 344. It's going to be stashed there for a period of time. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Absolutely. The colonel leads you back upstairs to your bedroom, pointing out who has the other rooms as he passes them. Then he shows you a door that must lead to the library gal gallery. There's another way to get into the library, he explains. But I locked it from the other side and bolted it at the top of the bottom of the door. Only a professional burglar could force that open. Uh-uh. Check off clue E and turn to 330. Didn't, did, he just, did he just tell us about the same thing? Um, no, this is a, an additional door into the library. <laughs> okay. Oh, into the library? Okay, wait. And then the, what was the other, where was the eagle being displayed? The gun room? Um, no, that was being displayed in the main hall, I thought. I thought so, but. Okay. So yeah, he, from the main hall, he leads us back upstairs to the bedroom and points out another lo uh, door that would lead to the library gallery. Library gallery, okay. He has so many bolted shut doors in his house. My man has too many artifacts. Yeah. At some point, someone has to say, stop, put it down. Yeah. Why are you here? Why are you into this? Why are you like this? Why are your teeth so bad? <laughs> this is the colonel. It hasn't said anything about his teeth. <laughs> Just adding additional accusations. Yeah. Yeah. Alone in your room with Watson, you discuss what you've learned. 3.30. Alone in your room with Watson, you discuss what you've learned. The library's certainly well protected, Watson comments. All the doors seem to be solidly secured, and even a thief, even it, and even if a thief entered the library at night, he'd be forced to climb up that shelf to pick the locks. Doubt any one of those gentlemen's up to it. Eh, perhaps... You answer thoughtfully. But how many of the men Mr. Holmes apprehended seemed to you to be criminals when you first met him? Mr. Holmes always says the most skilled criminals are often the most ordinary, common-looking, simple, ugly-toothed <laughs> men. Would those like such, uh, stop such a determined burglar? Well, I doubt you'd even have a chance to test him. Watson replies. A gong sounds to summon you to dinner. Why can't I be summoned to dinner with a gong? And you must return downstairs. Beach supervises the presentation of a multi-course dinner of fine food and wine. Finally, <laughs> wow, sentence. Finally, the women withdraw and leave you and the other men to cigars, port, and brandy. Uh-huh. As the men chat, a few options prevent themselves. If you would like to talk to Captain Leaf, 127... Robert Harris, 432. Go outside and look around 308. I almost feel like I'm keener to do anything except for talk to Harris. Sure. I'm I'm Yeah, I'm down. So that's either looking outside or talking to Captain Leaf. Captain Leaf was which one? Captain Leaf was... Uh, the, the, Captain Leaf hasn't spoken yet. He was there, uh, made a fool of himself for a brief period of time before... Uh, his niece came in. His niece? Mm. No, he did speak. Uh, yeah. If that's him. I think that was a different colonel. Actually, I don't think Captain Leap has spoke yet. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's 
Let's go to 127 and see if we can figure it out over that. Sure. You join Captain Leaf in the corner. He is refilling his glass with port. The veteran is obviously pleased to have a new audience, and he begins to assault you with his series of tales, alternating stories of court life with reminiscences of odd things he saw in the 20 years during army service. Carefully, you try and turn the conversation to your fellow guests to see if you can learn anything of use. Pick a number to add your concert conservation communication needing a six hitting only a six 388 captain leaf pauses for a moment to sip his port and he managed to speak before that he before he can swallow it's very kind of you to talk at me captain you begin smiling i feel like an outsider here all the rest of you seem to have some connection to one another with all the affairs of the weekend and i have nothing to do with it my cousin was planning to bring another friend with him and only invited me last minute Oh, you must not feel that way, Leaf says hurriedly. Not at all, young man. Why, young Harris and old Grayson could be called outsiders as well. Harris is only here to visit his fiancée, and Grayson just happened to be at Jackson's when the colonel stopped there on his way back from London. Hey, you're very kind, you suggest to Leaf. I assure you, sir, you are very welcome, the captain says heartily. Just join in the various outings we've scheduled, do your best, and by time you leave Monday morning, we shall consider you a colleague of twenty years standing. Upon my word, sir, I've seen things happen that way time and again. You will see, I assure you. If you ask him about the Eagle, 600. If you ask him about the outings, 246. We don't ask about the Eagle. We're an outsider. He could suspect us. True. Maybe we did do it. Damn. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we're just scoping out the correct route. We can stuff it in that dumb waiter for a period of time, you yeah. see, and then come back to collect it when everyone leaves. Yeah, that's like the, um, it's like that game. Did you ever play it overboard? No. It's so good. It is a reverse murder mystery. You are, you play as a woman who murders her husband. Like, this is not a spoiler because it's literally the first three seconds of the game. You mm. murder your husband by pushing him over overboard on a cruise ship. And you have to basically reverse engineer how to perfectly get away with the murder mm -hmm. on by talking to everyone on the ship, kind of like a like a choose your own adventure, as as that, well. It's really it's it's the role you play in a social deduction when you are the imposter and you need to hear everyone's story so you can synthesize an appropriate lie. Yes, it, it it's exactly that. It plays out through time loops, and there's different, you know, a lot of different routes and endings and ways to do. It's it's really good. Highly recommend. That I does sound really fun. I played it on mobile. Recommend uh, for any interested. It's 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 a nice little like visual novel, reverse social deduction, choose your own adventure game. So hey, it seems pertinent for the podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, two forty six was it? Sorry, it was indeed. Okay. What kind of outings are we going to have this weekend? You ask Captain Leaf. Oh, a great variety of activity indeed, Leaf says cheerfully. You are a difficult man to please if you don't enjoy them. Tomorrow we shall have a shooting contest for everyone, both men and women. Saturday we shall test what every one of us can do on horseback and probably cap our ride with a steeplechase if we can't think of anything more exciting. But Sunday, oh, Sunday will be the best of all. Hey, what happens on Sunday? You ask. We shall recreate one of the proudest moments in the history of the battery, sir. Just days before the Battle of Waterloo, two officers, Mortimer and Sneed, of the Yorkshire Lights, fought a duel. 
It seems that one refused to allow the other to marry his sister. They faced each other with pistols. After Lieutenant Mortimer missed, Lieutenant Sneed fired wide intentionally. Some of the observers doubted the sincerity of the handshake after the duel. However, at Waterloo, each man saved the other's life. Almost overcome by emotion, the captain pauses to collect himself before continuing. Oh, not that it did them any good, because they were both mortally wounded before the day was done. Yet their colleagues were astonished at the honor and gallantry of their actions. So every year we recreate the duel, with blanks in the guns, of course. At this point, Watson rescues you from the captain, who then hunts a new victim verbally to verbally overwhelm. Check off clue D and turn to 263. <laughs> we so hard have clues A through E. Uh, <laughs> it's going well. It's, 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 it feels like we don't usually get such a clear line of clues. Like just boop, 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 boop. And we've also had some failures, so mm -hmm. it's kind of, we're, I guess we're failing correctly. Uh, after talking to Leaf, you wander out in the hallway where a strange spectacle greets your eyes. Lieutenant Mortimer enters through the French windows of the drawing room, dragging a smaller, crudely dressed man behind him. What's this, Mortimer? The colonel asks in a surprised voice. Why, it's Badger Phillips. Oh, what have you been up to, Badger? He asks the smaller man. Nothing, Gav. The little man answers quickly. I've been up to a thing, sir. You know I didn't do anything wrong. Aye. I caught this fellow setting his snares in your wood, sir. Mortimer says. And I knew that you wouldn't allow that. And what was he doing in the woods himself, eh? Phillips asks. Oh, be quiet, both of you. The colonel says, examining both men warily. Thank you, Mortimer. I appreciate your concern. You, Badger, shall appear before me on Tuesday morning at ten, and I shall decide then what to do about this offense. As a little scene breaks up, you go upstairs and Watson joins you. Turn to 338. Have you identified any potential thieves yet? Watson asks. He obviously has passed a very enjoyable evening. It's not a question of identifying every possible thief, you answer but rather one of making it impossible for anyone to take the eagle. You can't do anything more tonight, can you? Watson asks. It's late, cousin. Are you planning to wait until everyone's gone to bed and then check the security of the library? <laughs> he laughs at the very idea, obviously intending it to be a joke. But as you stop to consider the matter, are the library's defenses as secure as the colonel believes? If you go to bed, 187. If you look over the library, 169. No sleep, squad. No sleep. They're not going to catch me sleeping. Tell Bookin someone to jail. I think Holmes would probably examine the library. You say, sighing a little, for you are tired. Watson looks unhappy, but nods in agreement. You sleep for two or three hours, arising again between one and two o'clock in the morning. The house is quiet. You first stop by the door in the hall that leads to the library gallery, and it's locked. If you try and pick the lock, 407, otherwise 136. I mean, we're trying to see if we can break in, so. Yeah. This and also, the host knows what we're trying to do, so I think that's okay. Yeah. Oh, no! Wondering how secure it is, you try and pick the lock to the door to the library, and for a moment, you study the lock and try and remember everything you knew about the art of lockpicking. Pick a number and add your artifice. Add a four if you have the skeleton keys... It's a check of ten. Uh-huh, we don't have the skeleton key, so we need to get really lucky on this. This is like a lower than a sixth, significantly lower than a sixth chance. 
All right, I'm going to roll the first die. I'll say what it is. It is a five. That's possible. Oh, it's possible. Not as good as a six, but that's possible. And a one. That's not going to do it. That's not going to do it. It would with the plus four. It would have. We would have squeaked it. <sighs> Alas. 189. You work at the door for some time, trying to find a way to spring the lock. Watson watches you anxiously, but his concern is of no help. After ten minutes of effort, you shrug your shoulders and turn away. That's it. No one can make that lock. You whisper to Watson. I'd wager my career on it. <laughs> yeah. Your cousin gives you a questioning look. Turn to 136. It's a, it's a stupid lock anyway. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be embarrassed. The only nerds can pick that lock. I'd, 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 I'd be embarrassed to pick this lock. I'd be I'd... I don't even want to be seen with you. Get out of my sight. <laughs> I want to go home. I don't want to play with you anymore. Uh, sorry. Some, that was something deeper within me. <laughs> uh, after completing your examination of the door, you find Watson. You and Watson sneak downstairs. An arched doorway leads from the hall into the library, but you can see the gate bars the way, held shut by chain and heavy padlock. You carefully test the gate and find that it is sound. Shall I try to pick the lock? You wonder. Dejected. At the drawing room entrance, you can see the gate is identical to the one leading from the hall. If one gate can be opened, then either could be. There's less chance of you being seen if you test the drawing room entrance. If you try and open the lock, 184, otherwise 393. I mean, attempt two? Yeah, run it back. I think this might be them saying, like, it's a tough check. And maybe... <laughs> if you bend over the padlock and examine it with the proper tools, it, you could probably open it easily. Even though it's very heavy and impressive in appearance, quickly you start to work. Pick a number and add your artifice bonus... At plus four, if you have the skeleton keys. Needing a ten. First roll is another five. How dare you do this to me? All right. What it's worth. A four, a five, or a six. So half of the results of this second die get us a full successor. That's true. Four. So nine plus one, we got it. Three, six, five. Every day of the year. As you try and open the padlock, you hear a loud click. And it falls open in your hand. You can enter the library now and realize that any other skilled intruder could probably do the same. Check deduction 8. If you go into library, 409, otherwise 393. I mean, it only seems we appropriate should. to follow through. I think we're going to try and figure out, like, I think it's important. It's going to be important if we figure out if the eagle's there right mm -hmm. now. Like, is going to get stolen. It's going to be like, when was it stolen? Was it stolen before or after? 2 a.m. It'd be great if they gave us the opportunity to check the dumb waiter and we already foiled it in progress. Mm -hmm. Carefully, you unthread the chain from the bars and you lay it on the drawing room carpet. Sliding the gates apart, you slip between them. The library is a strange place in the dark, lit only by the moon and starlit lit, lit light <laughs> that filters in from the neighboring rooms. Your candle provides only enough light to guide your footsteps safely. At your sign, Watson waits outside. A few steps into the library, you stop and listen. Pick a number and add your observation. Can we help with the magnifying glass <laughs> to listen better? No, unfortunately, they won't allow us to do that. Also, for what it's worth, it's important that we distinguish starlight from sunlight, despite the fact, just full stop, despite the, the, the fact... That the sun's a star? Wait, it is? It's just one big star. Am I wrong? Isn't no, this... no, no, it, it, it is. It's a, it's it a... is. I thought you were rolling. <laughs> 
Oh, you thought I was rolling. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I was like, hold on. Is my whole life a lie? Is the sun not a star? That was my favorite gotcha when I was nah, a kid. Nah, Earth is a star. Sun's a planet. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Raps, it's a dwarf planet now. Raps, you're a star. No. Yeah. Dwarf star. I... <laughs> <laughs> still, Damn, still, got him. That's still huge. Still huge. <laughs> um, I I got a nine actually in the midst of all that. I I got the this is a three tier result that I, and we got the highest one, uh, two to five, oh, yeah. six to eight, and nine to twelve. So we actually hit the highest result of a three eighty. I rolled a nine, but I was uh, I got stopped in my tracks when I thought my childhood understanding of the sun was in question. Mm -hmm. My astronomy as a uh, six-year-old should not be challenged. Exactly. Uh, I know the Big Dipper. I know Ooh. the Sun is Star. Orion. What's that? Why'd you say that? No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, belts, even. <laughs> a belt of Orion. I mean, we all watched Men in Black 2. <laughs> <laughs> We're all watching it right now on our other monitors <laughs> right mm -hmm. i i got a tattooist to uh actually tattoo the image of the men in black 2 logo behind my left eyelid so i can just <laughs> blink occasionally to get a frame of it oh so good uh the empty library is so quiet that you imagine hearing the sound of your candle 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 burning then from across the room you can hear a small scraping noise between a couch and the bookcase it startles you for a moment and then you smile certain that it's only a mouse turn to 272 okay so our good result there was avoiding red herrings i suppose i hope otherwise it sucks i doubt that the book has like some disco elysium in it where you just you're too good at a skill that it starts to cause some problems mm -hmm. i doubt it <laughs> that wasn't invented yet uh, I, as a character, will take plus ones to nothing, so I get a negative two to everything, which is actually going to make me better at some checks. <laughs> That's the strat. You turn around, carefully examining the study, wondering what to do now that you're here. Your After Dark expedition seems sillier now than it did when you first discussed it with Watson. If you've checked Deduction 7, turn to 521, otherwise 560. I suppose Deduction 7 would have been locking, uh, uh, picking the lock on the first one, whereas Deduction 8 is more uh, Probably, probably, probably. 560. The only item of note in the library that you did not examine closely earlier was the eagle. With no one around, you might be able to get a very close look at the way it's secured, and also learn how difficult it might be to snatch the golden bird. If you try and look at the eagle, 328. If you leave the library, 595. Gotta be 328. I mean, yeah... Even if it's like kills us, intruder detected. Gun activate. Bang. <laughs> it just says bang. <laughs> this is this is not security theater. I promise. Bang. A uh, bang. Bang. I was thinking. Bang. I was thinking of it from the degree of like you know how uh, some electric uh, cars still create the sound of an, a, a gas motor. Mm-hmm. It's it's just trying to incorporate that the previous element of the aesthetic into itself. Uh, so this is like a laser pistol that makes no sound, but they also say bang, say just bang. so you know they shot. Bang, bang. At the same time, you can. It's the the sound is dwarfed by a like a much louder, but you can hear them quietly going bang. 
<laughs> I like that. Like you and McGregor doing the lightsaber sounds on set. Yes. <laughs> yes. <sighs> you begin to search for a way to approach the eagle. It's difficult to see by your candlelight, but you finally conclude that there's only one method to employ. You must go up the gallery, cross the railing that protects it, and then edge along the decorative molding along the wall until you reach the mantle where the eagle rests. It looks like a very tricky proposition. If you decide to leave 595, if you approach the eagle, 197. I ain't no wimp. Time for a tricky proposition. The carved hardwood molding is very beautiful, but to your distress, you see that it's only four inches wide. You've chosen a very tricky task, but you're not willing to quit now that you've begun. At least the couches beside the fireplace might break your fall if you fail. Pick a number and add your athletics. And we have our first four-prong success? Mm-hmm. Two to four, five to six, seven to nine, ten to twelve. Oh, come on, at least a seven. Reveal the first one. Good call. That is a three. That locks us out of... <gasps> that locks us out of uh, <laughs> the, the best result already. Mm-hmm. Or does it? No, we can it still does. get a six. Oh, you're right. Never mind. All right. Five. We'll take I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take that. That's the second best result. Mm-hmm. Seven to nine, Two, five twenty-eight. Carefully, you climb the rail and begin to edge along the molding. However, it only takes a few shuffling steps before you realize you will not be able to reach the mantle safely. It's freaking impossible here. You whisper in frustration. Reluctantly, you return to the gallery and the main floor of the library. Turn to 344. The fact that multiple times is just so funny, the extra information we get, that there's a check succession higher than what we got, and you go, it's impossible! But we're sitting here going, well, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're older probably. Plus one. Yeah, it might be. Unless that's, Wait, what, 340? Sorry, what does this send us to? 344 is what it says. Wrong? Oh! Are we certain about that? You climb the rail, begin to edge along the molding, you return to the gallery and to the main floor of the library, turn to 344. That is what it says. That doesn't mean that it's right. I will say that I can see in my search of the book, another page sends us to 344 and we've already been there, right? Yeah, we have. Because on 344, the colonel leads us back upstairs to our bedroom and then demonstrates the other ways to get into the library and, in fact, gestures towards a lock that we just picked while he's asleep. He's sleepwalking and pointing out the entrances that we've just used to get into the library. Do we need to, to successfully... I guess we need to have a different result on the railing? Uh, it's... I, I can't it's see not an things. alternative here that doesn't break the the line. So I think we just I think I just roll the dice again and until I get something that's not seven to nine and we take that route instead. Yeah, that that seems only appropriate. Alright. It might be worse. That's a two. Okay. That's that's worse. That is an six, so that is a nine. So Same that's a re that's previous. a re-roll. That's a, a three. Gonna need a six here. All right, three eighty nine. It is. That's a three and a one. It is, which is a four plus one, giving us not the worst result. So three eighty nine, just that we can, I guess, have a different option. That's three eighty nine. Carefully, you edge along the molding towards the eagle. Your respect for the colonel's security arrangements increases when your right foot slips from the molding and you fall heavily. Fortunately, a couch breaks your fall and muffles the noise. 
Relieved to survive the accident without injury or disturbance, you rise, if somewhat slowly, and head for the library door. Turn to 595. Does this get us back to a... It does, it does. Okay, We're back good. on a good track. That works. Well, not necessarily a good track, but yeah, a track yeah, yeah, that does yeah. not lead us to ouroboritically yes. uh, reread the same story for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Having completed your examination of the library, you quietly slip out of the portal. You carefully close the gates and secure the chain and padlock. No one will know that you were in the library. Turn to 393. Outside the library, you stop to consider what further actions to take tonight. Are there other approaches to the library that you might examine? If you've checked clue B, turn to 450. Otherwise, 410. We have, yeah? We have indeed. Clue B is that there is an entry room between the library and the gun room, a passage that is apparently all blocked up. But the colonel also said that about another passage, which we easily entered. Clue B also sounds like a, a sidekick on a kid's mm-hmm. mystery show. Yeah. Hey, yeah. kids! He's got round edges and he's blue. Yeah. <laughs> hey, kids, give a round of applause for Clooby! Hi, kids! I'm Clooby! Hey! It's the gimmick is mainly in the name! I don't really have characteristics as much as a fun name! Did you find out why my, li- my wife left me yet, Clooby? Listen, kid. <laughs> Who is the other man, Clooby? Four fifty. There's one more entrance to the library, the door from the gun room. From the colonel's description, you know that it is secured in the same manner as, as is the well-protected upstairs door. You wonder if it's worth the time and risk to examine it. If you go to the gun room, go to five thirty. Otherwise, four ten. Gotta be a 530. I have a problem with that at all. Although examining the gunroom seems a waste of time, your conscience forces you to check every entrance to the library. You signal Watson to follow you towards the gunroom, and you stop for a moment outside the door. Was that a noise inside the gunroom, or merely a figment of your overactive imagination, you idiot? You signal Watson to stop, then open the door as quietly as possible. A person stands at a far end of the room, examining something... With the aid of a bull's eye lantern. If you speak to the stranger, 292. If you sneak up on him, 215. So sneaking up on him is obviously going to be an artifice check for us. In a gun room filled with guns. We're sneaking up on someone. But also, if this is relevant information to us, it's probably a nantowell. And if it's a nantowell, if we say hi, they're probably just going (laughs) to sprint. All right, let's do it, 215. Okay, we're getting shot. Not sure. Moving as quietly as possible, you try and sneak up on the intruder. You wonder what would draw someone to the gun room at 2 o'clock in the morning. Pick a number and add your artifice bonus. It's a three-tier check. 2 to 6, 7 to 9, 10 to 12. First roll is a 6. Good start. <gasps> good start. Good start. Good start. Good start. We only need a 3. Right? Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. it's more likely than not. I shouldn't say that. 5. Boom. That is a 12 total. 11 plus 1, 367. Moving with considerable stealth, you cautiously approach the intruder. To your surprise, he's handling the pair of old dueling pistols, which the colonel showed you the afternoon before. The intruder turns slightly, and you estimate his size. From his height, you realize that it must be Sneed, Grayson, Fox, or Miss Mortimer. If this, if indeed this intruder is one of the weekend guests... 
If you can get a step or two closer, you should be able to tackle the intruder. Call for Watson and solve this small mystery. Check off clues F and G. Ooh, ooh wee. Holy hell. So we now have clues A through G. Oh my god. Finally, we're oh. cooking. Turn Nothing to 133. And I'm sure we will not fail in catching them. As you try and sneak up on the intruder, bad start. You slip on a small rug. Staggering for a moment, you wave your hand for balance and knock over a small table. The cloaked intruder jumps at the noise and then extinguishes the lantern and dives through an open window beside him. Beside him. Okay. You hurry to the window and look out, but see no one. Turn to 361. Is this right? 361? I believe it is, yes. Okay, yeah. Oh, 361. That's why I'm just sitting here on the wrong page. I'm like, when's Rasp's going to start talking? It's just... It's like freaking uh, 360. Perhaps the intruder left behind a piece of evidence that might identify him, says again. The bright moonlight will help you in your examination. Oh, pick a number and add your observation bonus and plus three if you have a magnifying glass. Need an eight. Actually, the moonlight is just a reflection of the sunlight, and the sun is a star, so it's starlight. Yeah, it's starlight. I got a. It's all starlight. Always has been. It's got a three for the first. Okay, another another three. That should be more than enough. That's a six. That's I. I don't know. I don't know why I'm doing math. We we definitely have it. Yeah. Plus one for our observation bonus, and plus three for the magnifying glass. Yes, it's all the way to ten. All right. Three ninety five. Thank you, magnifying glass. We would have failed it without it. By one as well. We've been tragic. You examine the window very carefully and smile in satisfaction. You discover that several brown hairs caught in the crack in the window frame. The short hairs must belong to a man. Only three men you have met this weekend have hair that color. Badger Phillips, Sneed, and Grayson. Check off clue H and turn to 152. Okay. That seems so that pretty good. that excludes then uh, Miss Mortimer and Fox, Hunter Fox. Uh, and probably Phillips, if the height is not appropriate as well, which we do know that to be the case, because we did get close enough to inspect their height. So it's Sneed or Grayson. We also know we have a, a motive on Sneed as well. <laughs> Can we just... Sorry, Sneed, Grayson. Can we just skip to the end? <laughs> Can we just like... Boop, got I think there's going to be a murder here as well. I think there's going to be a murder so and a too. theft. So we could just call it all off. Yeah, it's going to be someone switched out the blanks in the gun. But mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. To distract from their opportunity to steal the eagle. Yes. yes. Now that you have the gun room to yourself, you turn your attention to the door leading into the library. You try to pick the lock and quietly shake it. You cannot open or unlock it. The bolts on the other side would prevent you from prevent you even if you could pick the lock. Satisfied that you have looked at every aspect of the room's security, you rejoin Watson and return to your room. You practically fall into bed hearing Watson's comforting snores just before you fall asleep. Turn to 187. The footman bringing you hot water and morning tea wakes you the next morning. You rise eagerly, dressing and shaving quickly while you sip the tea. Bright sunlight streams in through the windows, and a fresh breeze makes the beautiful day even more stimulating. Watson is soon ready, and you go down to breakfast together. If you've checked decision 7, turn to 543, otherwise 309. We have not. Breakfast is the kind of meal that one expects at a country mansion. Platters of bacon, egg, sausage, and kippers cover a sideboard, flanked by silver pots of coffee and tea. 
baskets of fresh bread and buns covering another tabletop. The guests talk little as they devote their attention to the food. Finally, as appetites begin to wane, the talk turns to the day's activities. You must join us, Mr. Hurley. Miss Dunlop says eagerly, addressing you. Everyone can participate today, whatever their abilities. We will walk through the grounds this morning to observe the beauties of my uncle's house and grounds and engage in a few contests of skill as we walked. Sorry, one sec. After a pause, the lady addresses everyone. No one dares to refuse, does he? The guests hastily assure her of their participation. The veterans, Captain Leaf and Colonel Dunlop, lead the way once breakfast is finished. The Dunlops lead you through the grounds, proudly showing and describing many beautiful glens and sparkling brooks, until you come to a wide stream with rocks lining its banks. Oddly, several pans of different sizes are tied to branches of trees on the other side of the water. Now for a test of skill, Miss Dunlop laughs, signaling for the party to stop. This will be easy, she says, nodding towards the far banks. There are plenty of rocks. All one must do is to hit those pans. We begin with the biggest pan, and each of us throws three stones. Anyone who misses all three is eliminated. Then we move on to the next smaller pan and continue until only one of us remains. Eagerly, Captain Leaf bends and tosses a round stone into the bushes well to the right of the target. Those join in and await your, you await your turn. Pick a number and add your athletics. Two to six. This is also, I think, the first time we've seen an option that is if 12 only. Yep. Two to six, seven to 11, or 12. All right, I'm going to roll the first die. One. So I think we're right. probably not going to get the 12. Mm. A five or a six would still get us the middling result. All right. I got a one. So what okay. is that, so where does that put us? Worst available result. So, I mean, hey, if we're going to fail, at least we failed spectacularly, right? So that's a we snake throw eyes. It straight up. <laughs> we we look killed up into someone. the sky. <laughs> I was I was <laughs> intimating that we might do that to ourselves, clocking ourselves in the head by being <laughs> well, I mean, distracted hey, by the sunlight. Both sentences can be true. <laughs> That's true. Two, not two. Three seventy-seven. Three seventy-seven. Yeah. You find that throwing a rock accurately is more challenging a task than you'd expected, and cannot hit the largest pan in the allotted three attempts. When the others reject your claim that the last rock's contact with the smallest pan was intentional. <laughs> You are forced to sit on a log and watch. Surprisingly, Dr. Cunningham wins easily. None of the younger men or women hits the second smallest pan. Turn to 431. Was this going to be an, was this an important check anyways, I wonder? I imagine I not. not. The path through the woods suddenly opens into a broad field. A line of haystacks crosses the field, and you quickly notice that some of them have various targets attached to them. Redruth, who is the colonel's groundskeeper. Beach. These names. <laughs> Did they come up with them themselves? Beach and several other servants are waiting at the edge of the field. While Beach prepares a pleasant picnic lunch for everyone, you notice that Red Ruth inspects a number of rifles. Presumably, there'll be a shooting contest before lunch. Given the questionable skills of some competitors, Miss Dunlop begins, We feel it is safer to attach the first targets to the broadest haystacks in all of Yorkshire. They should be able to stop even the wildest shots, even those of my beloved. She smiles at Harris, who appears uncomfortable. The guests are a bit hesitant to begin this contest, but finally Miss Dunlop takes a rifle herself and begins aiming and squeezing the trigger. She hits the edge of the biggest target, and in turn everyone else but Harris hits at least a corner of the target. 
Living up to his reputation, Harris sends bits of hay flying from the top of the stack. Redruth, who have moved far off to the side while Harris shot, indicates that the target on the stack nearby is the new focus of contention. When your turn comes, you feel, feel far less confident of your ability, even though no one else has missed completely. Pick a number and add your athletics. Needing an 8, getting a 10. 5, 2, 2, 3. Hell yeah. We can shoot gun. We can, we can shoot gun. Yep, maybe it's us. Maybe, maybe it's the us. crime is us. With it, <laughs> you were the crime Lock all along. Up. Lock me up, Clooby. It was I. It was I that Throw cheated on key. me. It was I that cheated on me. I am the other man. Uh, in spite of your nervousness, you managed to hit the target. The ladies are kind enough to clap, and then you continue to aim and fire as Redruth points to an even smaller target, then to a series of other objects, apples, cans, tree branches. Finally, only four competitors remain. You, Watson, Grayson, and Sneed. So, okay. It was Grayson and Sneed were the two? Those were. Okay. Redruth's newest target two overlapping suspects. Yeah, yeah. The two in our sights. Oh, gun. Redruth's newest target is very clever. He hangs apples from strings and starts and starts them spinning. He must shoot while the apple's moving. Pick a number and add your athletics. Soo, needing a 10. First die is a 3. That's not great. I'm going to need a 6 here. How about a 3 that makes that into a 6? Okay, okay. It's not going to do anything, but we will go to 494. I rolled another die, and it's a six. So if I add all three of those together, and we cheat, then we are correct. So let's go to 494 now. Hell, you don't even need all three of those. Just, uh, just one of the threes. 494, refail. The spinning apples bring a mercifully quick end to the contest. Grayson smashes his with one shot. While you and the others miss, you join the ladies and the other men in congratulating the solicitor on his marksmanship. Soon, everyone begins to discuss lunch eagerly. It has been full and busy, a full and busy morning. Turn to 3.45. It is late afternoon when you and the other guests return to the house. With only a quick cup of tea to tide one over, everyone else goes to his rooms to wash and change for dinner. The colonel has warned you that dinner will be served a little bit early. Everything's laid out for you and Watson in your room, and as you prepare for dinner, you chat a little about the day's interests, pick a number, and add your observation. Needing a seven, getting a... Eleven. Hell yeah. At least Watson will have seen what's going on and tell us about it. Yes, 535. Did you notice that Grayson said, I did it. I'm the one who's going to give you a kill. <laughs> did you hear that? <laughs> it makes me think. I wonder if it'd be possible. Oh, but I need more evidence. As you turn to pick up your clean shirt, you hear an odd scraping noise in the hall. Wait, what? Yeah, okay. Followed quickly by a suppressed outburst of giggling. What was that? You ask Watson. Oh, nothing. He answers, distracted by his efforts to put on his tie. Probably just the young ladies enjoying a shared secret. Watson returns to his attention to his tie. If you see what caused the noise, 305, otherwise 327. I mean, this was a success of a check. I feel like we should take mm -hmm. advantage of it, right? Absolutely. Curious, you stick your head out the door and glance down the hall. Miss Mortimer stands by the door leading into the library. Though you cannot tell what she is doing, at the sound of your door opening, she turns away and goes downstairs. You and Watson finish dressing and start downstairs. Passing the library door, you stop to look at it, wondering if Miss Mortimer might have done something to it. Check off clue J, pick a number, and add your observation. 
Needing an eight. Getting an eight. Okay. <gasps> we don't need no stinky sports checks. We just want to use eyeball checks. Three ninety nine. You look over the door and find that it's locked. Inside, the bolts are still fastened. Whatever her intentions were, Miss Mortimer did not do anything to the door. You and Watson quickly join the other guests in the sitting room for an aperitif. Uh, we... Okay. We didn't really... We probably would have been fine. But still, good. Good to know. Probably just avoided a red herring again. It's true, but we didn't get a check out of it, which is curious. Mm. Also, we have kind of excluded her... Uh, yeah already it, based on previous information yeah it'd be more like is she setting up like is she taping the bolt shut so that someone else mm -hmm. can do something later is basically all that, that would be about soon beach strikes the gong in the hallway <laughs> every time it's gonna get me and everyone fly files into the dining room for dinner the dinner reflects this luxurious life at its best. Both ladies are dressed in beautiful silk gowns set off by jeweled necklaces and bracelets. The gentlemen wear either formal clothes or military dress uniforms. When everyone is seated, Beach and his staff bring in the first course. The talk around the table quickly grows lively with jokes about the recreated duel to be acted out on the morrow. In spite of the lively talk, and of course after course of excellent food, you sense an undercurrent of tension, although you cannot discern its source. Pick a number and add your intuition. First tie is a four. Good. And that's a six. We're good. That's an 11. 135. Pass the vibe check. Actually reading the room. It's true. In spite of the huge dinner you have eaten. And it's accompanying wine. You gather your wits and turn your attention to the conversation. Soon you realize that the cheerful talk of most of the guests is marred by some tension between Harris and Colonel Dunlop. You wonder if the problem is serious enough to threaten the wedding ceremony since... You already know what, that the colonel does not fully trust his niece's fiance. Check off deduction nine and turn to three o two. Do we care? Not especially. It still seems like set up for a, a red herring. Finally, the feasts come to an end. It seems a long time before you can get your legs under you and rise to your feet. Gradually, the dinner party breaks up. The colonel, Fox, and Jackson sit over along, long over the port, each getting comfortably drunk. Harris takes Miss Dunlop out for a walk. <laughs> It's not like she's a dog. Harris gives Miss Dunlop her walkies. The Mortimers challenge Sneed and Grayson to a game of whist. Seeing you stand alone for a moment, Dr. Watson urges you to join him, Captain Leaf and Dr. Cunningham, in a game of billiards. We should go probably the game of whist, right? With the two people we think could be... That would be lovely. The only problem is... Wait. How do we do that in the represented options here of joining the billiards game, going outside for the walk, or going into the library to read? Hmm. I guess my, my thought would be, like, for some reason, the, the library would... Because it's the only other one. Mm-hmm. But I don't... How? Hmm. What do you think? I don't know if I want to go to the library to read, just because we've been in the library for inspections recently. But also, maybe that's a great reason to go, because we'd be able to note the difference. Interesting, Were there interesting, any? interesting. Um, joining the billiards game, that seems probably like the the least useful because like it's Captain Leave and Dr. Cunningham who like don't seem relevant. <laughs> yeah. Much at all. Going outside for a walk, that's uh, Harris and Miss Dunlop are both outside for a walk. So that would be keeping an eye on them. 
I, I almost want to go to the library as uh, as a, a a bold play in the yeah. game of I don't suspect any of the people you're currently saying. I'm gonna take the option that might chance upon. Uh, I mean, and it, it also means that we're like inside in case something happens mm -hmm. in the whist game. Maybe we can I'm yeah, I'm very down to go to 174. Let's do it. You decide to spend the evening in the library to be certain of the safety of the eagle. There's a comfortable chair in the corner hidden from the hall entrance by shelves that jut from the wall. You examine the shelves until you find a book Watson recommends to you. Dawns and departures of a soldier's life. And you settle down to read it. You bury yourself in the book and then the evening seems to fly by. It's past ten when there's you hear voices from the hallway. And two men enter the room, sit quietly wondering if you might learn something of interest. That eagle is a torment to me, Jackson. You hear Grayson say. If I owned such a trinket, I could raise all the cash that I would need. Think of the comfort and security it'd give me. It is unfortunate that your father didn't have the sense to collect a few souvenirs when he was in India. Jackson says, and you hear their footsteps leaving the room again. A few minutes later, Watson comes in to see that if you are prepared to retire for the evening. He glances at your book, laughs, and then says, Told you you'd enjoy it, didn't I? Reluctantly, you return the book to its place and go up to your room with Watson and check off clue K. Turn to 145. Grayson, money troubles. True. Alone in the room with Watson, you sit to chat, relaxing in a dressing gown and slippers. I'm not at all certain we have a case. Watson comments between puffs on his pipe. None of our fellow guests has acted suspiciously so. Well, at least in my eyes. Is that so? You replied, deliberately ambiguous. I consider him one by one. Then you tell me which could be a thief. Watson challenges. This fellow Harris, for example, hardly seems to be a dishonest man. For all the colonel's suspicions. If you've checked deduction 6, 441, otherwise 163. We have not checked 6, unfortunately. Or maybe fortunately, because we're on the right path. Also true. Having met the man, Watson continues, I can't support the colonel's suspicions of Harris at all. He seems a very pleasant young fellow. It's simple, though. Spending the weekend here with his charming fiancée, a young man in love, would probably rob his fiancée's family, even if he was a thief. You note Watson's comments and then say, You usually see the best in a chap, John. Consider the thieves you've never known. You have known, rather. Were all of them unpleasant men who'd never think of doing anything as uncourteous as robbing their in-laws? Harris seems all right. Watson insists. I haven't seen him do anything suspicious. If you've checked deduction 5, 311, otherwise 400. Again, we have not. 400. I agree. <laughs> you admit? His behavior's been exactly what you'd expect of a man in his position. I do hope he's innocent. It'd hurt a very sweet young lady if he turned out to be a cad. Turn the 193. Now, for a truly suspicious character. Watson continues. You'd have to search far and wide to find a better suspect than that poacher. What's his name? Phillips! Uh, come on now, John. You reply. It's a long stretch from poaching to jewel theft. Oh, perhaps. Replies what? Watson? But it's far. <laughs> <laughs> With an M? Watson? Yep, that's, that's a misprint right there. <laughs> Who is this man? Get him! Perhaps, but it is far from impossible. I'm not certain, but I believe I saw him lurking in the bushes tonight, watching the house. What do you think of that, cousin? If you chuck deduction 11, turn to 524, otherwise 130. 
Also, no, 130. Uh, uh. Okay, perhaps Phillips behavior has been a little suspicious. You concede, tamping the tobacco in your pipe. Watson seems amused by your parody of Holmes's contemplative behavior. When you're protecting something as valuable as the eagle, it's unpleasant to note any suspicious figures lurk in the background. But it would be all but impossible for an outsider to rob this house. The servants have been employed by the colonel for years, and Beach is conscientious regarding locking doors and windows at night. If you've checked clue M, turn to 418, otherwise 433. Absolutely uh, not. <laughs> um, um, maybe we're not doing as well as I thought. They're asking for the only things we don't have filled in. It's rude. That's, this is rude. Well then. Watson continues, chuckling at your reference. Does anyone arouse your suspicions? Most of the guests seem to me just what one would expect to be at such a gathering. I'm a little surprised that Fox should linger so near his former fiancée, but there's no evidence that he's anything but a scorned suitor. Dr. Cunningham certainly is a good chap. Watson chuckles, recalling their duel at the billiards table. <laughs> Trust me, you learn whether a man is square or not when you play him 90 minutes in a billiards match. With every shot, crucial to your success. And Grayson, the solicitor, he's a respected man in his profession. You couldn't suspect him for a moment, could you? You've checked deduction three, turn to 603. We have, yeah? We have indeed. That is that Grayson planned his attendance here. Engineered it. I subscribe to Holmesview. You answer. Almost anyone can be a legitimate suspect, especially if one notes something unusual in their actions. Regarding Grayson, for example, did you know that he arranged to be invited here? Otherwise, he wouldn't be among us. Huh. Well. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> among us? Watson says, a gleam in his eye. Among us? If you had... Among us? <laughs> if you had the chance to catch an... Catch? If you had the chance to catch an invitation to Colonel Dunlop's table, would you decline the opportunity? I've seldom enjoyed so pleasant a weekend. If you've checked clue K, 564, otherwise 261. No, yeah? Uh, we have. This oh. is Grayson's Money Troubles. Oh, before we leave, though, I want to point out just a fun flavor thing on the right. You see this? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to read this like an ad? Absolutely. Wanted! Solo Gamebook Writers! Ice is looking for a few good writers in three lines of solo adventures. Sherlock Holmes, Soli Mysteries, Narnia, Solo Games, and Middle-Earth Quest Game Books. If you meet the following requirements, please send us a two-page plot synopsis and a project idea with your resume. Number one, familiarity with quest books and or role-playing games. Number two, ability to write well and meet deadlines. Number three, access to a computer, which is novel in these times. Number four, willingness to work as a team player. Respond to SASE with Managing Game Book Director, Iron yeah. Crown Enterprises, P.O. Box 1605, Charlottesville, Virginia. This is so fun to see for me i don't know and uh, unfortunately to note that they definitely didn't hire additional writers yeah to yeah at least well at least not for the sherlock holmes solo mysteries because that, that's true they got one and then they got one in uh in, in france and then they were apparently the person in france that was not a team player or didn't have a computer mm. <laughs> uh he could meet deadlines but did not write well anyway so Clue K, 564. It's totally unfamiliar with quest books or role-playing games. <laughs> uh, what is this same writing? <laughs> I will write a self-insult character who is French-Canadian, so it draws the... 
but I am... Suspicion off of me. I am, how you say, modest. I am aware of my bad teeth. I do a author's insert, but then I make fun of myself the whole time to make it fail. Uh, 564. But I know there's a Grayson. You insist not yielding an inch to Watson. Before you met me in the library, he came in talking with Jackson. Grayson noted the value of the eagle and spoke openly of his own need for money. Now, such need does not automatically make a man a criminal, but it does provide a motive, wouldn't you agree? Your cousin declines to reply. I don't say I suspect him. You continue. But he cannot be dismissed from consideration. Watson shakes his head, but does not argue with the point. Turn to 378. You know, cousin. Watson finally says. I can't name a prime suspect who might carry out the theft. You must ensure that no one can get at the eagle, not just guard against a particular individual. Hey, what should I do that I haven't already done? You ask. I have one idea, he says a little timidly. Perhaps you could arrange some kind of library alarm, one that would catch an intruder. You set an alarm 375, otherwise 585. Huh. Trying to figure out how setting the alarm could backfire. Um, it could falsely fire, leading us away from a scene of a crime. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't really know. Should we find out? Let's do it. Alright, let's set an alarm and find out how it's going to mess us up. At your earlier request, the colonel has already given you a key to the padlocks of the library gates, so that you're not forced to pick the locks to get in. You and Watson go down to the library and consider the best method to protect it from unwanted entry. Pick a number and add your artifice, needing an 8. This game's favorite... Okay, well, getting a 12. 11 plus 1. We're fine. Al Dice's favorite role. Yeah, we do not set us up the bomb. You recognize the possibility that someone might get around an alarm, but you devise a method to indicate if anyone has tampered with either the gun room or the hall door. If you melt some wax so that it connects the door and the door frame, you'll be able to tell if someone has opened it. If you mark the door with wax for 02, otherwise 312. I mean, this is the success of our, like, that's the reward of our roll. Yeah, I do like the idea of coming up with this trap and then just deciding not to do it. <laughs> Ah, but that would be cringe, you see. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, cringe, see? On main? <laughs> ah, never. Uh, which is our trap placement? Uh, 402. Posting wax traps on main? <laughs> Bull? You use candle wax to form a seal across the bottom of the doors, carefully scraping the excess from the floor. The wax is visible, but not too obvious to the eye, so check deduction 20 and turn to 312. 312! You think of two ways to set an alarm in the library. First, you might attach a thread to the eagle, the thread connecting to a small bell in your room, so that you'll know if anyone touches the jeweled bird. Or you might set some heavy objects on the edge of the mantle so that anyone tampering with the bird will knock them over. If you rig the thread and small bell, 391. If you set the trap to make a noise, 101. Or if you don't want to set a trap at all, 405. Um, all of these seem very uh, fallible of methods. Yeah. Like an invisible thread that's somehow leading all the way to a bell in our room. Yeah. Like so <laughs> likely to get accidentally tripped. That's, a, that's something I would have done as a child. Yeah. <laughs> I would have tried to construct a significant amount of that out of toilet paper rolls. It would have fallen yep. down instantly. Pretty much. 
set some heavy objects on the edge of the mantle so that anyone tampering with the bird will knock them over. That one sounds less fallible, I guess. Sure, but why wouldn't they just move the objects? Why would it work as a trap? If you put them on the edge, I guess the idea is that... I don't know. If you put them on the edge, the I guess probably the idea would be it was so precarious that they couldn't move them. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I, I It's tough to, without visualizing what exactly they're talking about, because it is a little general. I do I'll, find it I'll hard to believe show that. my... Sorry. Yeah, tell. I'll show my cards here, which is, I don't know if either of these traps will be much more effective than the trap we already succeeded a roll to do of the wax trap. I think that is true. The question just being, is there a penalty for us trying to make one? Another one. Because maybe the wax trap plus something else. Because one, the wax trap is us being able to find out after the fact. Mm-hmm. And if the library was entered. Yes. And this is trying to stop it from being stolen at all, potentially, if we do the trap that makes a noise. That could potentially mm -hmm. spook someone away from committing the act. Because the wax, they wouldn't know. Mm -hmm. So this is, I think, playing chicken with... I think that the trap making a noise is playing chicken with the thief. But I don't know. Sure. I, I, doing that? I, I don't feel strongly. It's more just I think that that's the reason it exists. You, you, you want to give that one a shot or you want to say no yeah, trap at all? To. We'll see. It could also like damage the floor and they get kind of angry. I I have to imagine that you know up until we accidentally slaughter someone, the colonel will be okay with any methodology. It's true. <clears throat> uh, it is not easy to set the trap that you planned. Although the metal plates and heavy vases in the library offer a variety of choice, we're gonna put a bunch of vases on top to fall over. Wait, okay. With Watson's help, you manage to arrange them, almost dropping one of the plates that you set up. Pick a number and add your artifice. Needing an eight, getting a first is a five. That's a great start, and then a four. That is a eleven. No, that'll do. Ten. Two, two, two. That is a ten. Two, two, two. Four plus five plus one is eleven. Two, two, two. Early in the morning, Beach comes to your room, wakes you, and without a word leads you to the colonel's bedroom. On the floor by the colonel's bedroom, or bed, rests a pile of items used in your trap. You're doing? The colonel asks sharply. When you admit your guilt, he warns you against setting any more traps. Why, the cat might have knocked this over and awakened the entire house! <laughs> he snorts. Any burglar worth his salt would have gotten around it easily. Jess, and you return to your bed. Morning comes too soon, and you dress slowly while an impatient Watson urges you to hurry. Finally, you're ready to go to breakfast and follow Watson down the stairs. Well... <laughs> the book really said you thought. You thought? He just took it down? and <laughs> Instantly. <laughs> instantly took it down? Said, don't you dare... Set a trap? I guess, I mean, the bell thing, I guess maybe would have been more effective, but that just seems st st stupid. Mm-hmm. It, it, that's, that's a Home Alone prank right there. You, yeah. It's, it's part of a Rube Goldberg machine. You don't set that off and expect it to work first time. Yeah. Once more, you enjoy a filling country breakfast, the sort to keep a man going for the entire day, if necessary. The good news about the failed trap, there was no no uh, mark, things we had to mark down, so it 
couldn't have been mm -hmm. impactful. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine if we failed the check, though, maybe. Mm. Oh, then maybe we would have... Oh, maybe the stuff would have dropped and then we would have woken the whole house. Mm. Mm. Everyone has come down from their rooms and excited to talk about the recreation of the duel fills the air. You notice Sneed and Mortimer teasing each other, a slight edge apparent in their comments. An odd thought strikes you. Could something go wrong with the duel? The recreation seems to have been arranged very carefully. As you sip tea, you study the others. Yes, someone could put a not blank in the gun. Uh, roll observation. Need a six. <laughs> Getting a uh, nine. Thank God we can hopefully connect the dots that we have already mentally connected ourselves. Mm-hmm. Watching the others out of the corner of your eye, you realize that from their actions that many of the guests appear very tense. Mortimer Sneed... Miss Mortimer and Grayson are obviously uncomfortable, and their conversation is strained and vapid. You wonder why such a highly anticipated event as the duel has created such tension. Pick a number and add your intuition. Needing an eight? Oi, getting an eight. Please. String of successes, this is going to be a clue. Clue, 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 clue. Thinking about it, you can understand why the participants in the duel are uneasy. It is uncomfortable to have a gun pointed at you, even if the weapon is loaded with blanks. Miss Mortimer is naturally concerned because her brother and fiancé are involved, but why is Grayson the solicitor nervous? He has no part in the duel. Perhaps he has some other personal or business problems unknown to any but himself. Check deduction 12, turn to 447. I mean, it's... I... It's looking it's... real bad for Grayson. It really is. I, I mean, like, I almost, in, in, in this position, did I know this amount of information, I would want to stop the duel. Yeah. Because it seems like we're about to watch a murder. Yeah. And yet, here we go? Huh. Well, I mean, realistically, we're just making sure that we can uh, make the case stick. Murder is a much easier thing to charge someone for than attempted theft, you see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry. It's a whole make... body's worth of evidence. It makes my job a lot easier if one of you dies. Yeah, the paperwork. We barely even have to do any before we send you to the gallows. <laughs> yeah, we can just take the gun and pop you. As breakfast ends, you hear the sounds of a carriage outside. Beach jumps to the open the front door to an older couple. Susan Mortimer uh, fairly flies from the dining room to hug them, and you realize that they must be her parents up for the day to watch the duel. As you go into a sitting room, Beach brings you a letter that came in the morning mail. To your delights, you see that it's from Mr. Holmes. You settle quiet down in a corner and read it. Dear sir, I am settled the other matter in the southwest. Having some leisure, I will come to Gunston this afternoon to pursue my researches into old charters. I would be pleased if you and Watson would join me for supper. When you get the chance, you show Watson a note, and he's delighted. Good for Holmes, he says, shaking his head in admiration. The man settles two cases that baffle the police for a fortnight in an evening. I shall never hear the end of it. Quickly, you tell Beach that you will sup out. <laughs> I do like that. In turn, he informs you. I wouldn't you, use that terminology yeah. nowadays. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to sup out. We could have beans, but what if we supped out? <laughs> I, I'm in. In turn, he informs you that the colonel wishes to see you in his study. The colonel greets you warmly, thanking you for your efforts. I want to make it clear, he adds, that I hope you will watch the duel this morning. I feared you might feel it in your duty to remain in the house, but I can guarantee that no one would attempt to such a theft in broad daylight. Aside from that, Beach and most of the servants will be up here, and the other guests will be all at the duel. 
All the guests? You ask? Oh, all but two. The colonel says, eyeing you warily. Mr. Grayson is going into Gunston to send a telegram to take care of some business matter, while Mr. Harris wishes to stay behind in this room to actually catch on with some correspondence. Actually, the colonel notes, softly confiding. Both said they would feel like intruders at a function so closely connected to the Yorkshire Lights, uh, but in that they're mistaken. I definitely want you to see it. The man's passion for the upcoming event is almost palpable. If you go and observe the duel, turn to 415, otherwise 561. Uh, aye, aye, aye. I mean, where are we going to be more likely to stop the duel than the duel, I guess, yeah. is my thought. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If we did the otherwise, I mean, we might be like... It also rules us out as, yeah. a, as a person. True. The otherwise would probably be like us maybe going to the library and catching the person. Because I really, I think, I think we cracked it. I think we cracked it. I think that there, someone switched out the blank. I think that it's a, a real bullet. I think someone's going to yeah. get shot, maybe die, yeah. and yeah. that distraction is going to be used for someone to grab the eagle. I think that, that I think that's the truth. You know what? I think we've set up an appropriate amount of information in the game, such as the wax trap, that we know about a possible plot to that degree, that if we yeah. stay home, we might be able to act upon it. It might say, have you checked decision 20, which is our wax trap. And if it does, booyah. So let's go to 561. Let's not yeah. see this duel. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, they can die. Again, more proof. I'd feel better if I remained here to keep watch. You say, and the colonel is unable to change your mind. After leaving his study, you settle in the drawing room to continue reading the book, which caught your attention earlier. Check off decision 26 and pick a number and add your observation. We need a six. We get a seven. It's 390. After a long period of quiet, you hear a noise from the gun room. After a moment's consideration, you go to check the source of the noise, and no one's there. You find no evidence of a recent intruder. As you study the scene, Colonel Dunlop and Watson enter the room. We came for the dueling pistols. The colonel explains, examining you suspiciously. What are you doing here? I thought I heard a noise. You explain. I just appear to have been uh, mistaken. Acting in a ceremonious fashion, the colonel picks up the case of pistols and passes them to the doctor, who carefully sets it on the table and opens it. You recall that Watson, too, was once a millinery military man. If you've checked off clue F, turn to 552, otherwise to 43026. Have we? We have indeed. We've checked everything except for I up to K. Uh, so clue F is that either Sneed, Grayson, Fox, or Miss Mort were handling the pistol in the library. Mm. I hope it's just like, check Please. the bullets. Check the bullets in that thing. <laughs> you recall that the Prowler of two nights ago was interested in the pistols. I wonder if he did anything to them. You think? If you ask to examine the pistols, turn to 386. I mean, otherwise, other thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm already, sorry. I'm already started going there. <laughs> you re Oh, thanks. Yes. You recount the story of the Prowler of the first night, and he asks and asks the colonel if you might examine the pistols. He agrees, and you carefully lift them from their case. The pistols are a matched pair with masterpieces of the gunmaker's art. They have heavy mahogany butts and engraved steel barrels trimmed in silver. Although they're 75 years old, they seem to be in perfect condition. Pick a number and add your observation bonus with a plus three if you have the magnifying glass. This is... 
so much more important than the skeleton key. It's not even funny. Because mm -hmm. this is a check of 10. We need a 10. So the fact that we don't need a 10 and we need a 7. Uh, my first die is a 4. That's great That's news. pretty already, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Just don't roll a 1. I got a 5. So honestly. That'll do it. Honestly, we got a. Okay, whatever. You know, hey. Uh, thank you, Magnifying Glass. We did get a 10 regardless, but still, thank you, Magnifying Glass. That it made it a lot more cozy to roll those dice. Mm -hmm. See, if you were nervously rolling those dice, like yes. it mattered, would have been completely different. It's true. It's a whole different universe. You continue to examine the pistols. They're clean and empty, ready for use. As you carefully examine them, you see a tiny mark in the butt of each gun. You gently scratch it with a fingernail, and a small compartment opens. You find nothing in the secret compartment of either gun and return them to their case. Turn to 426. Oh. What? This is unexpected. Maybe we were chasing a red herring. Mentally. Oh, no. Please don't. Oh, no. Please don't. Oh, no. Watson takes each gun from the case and checks to see if they are, that they are clean and empty. Shielding them for the glare from the glare of the sun, he cocks each one and snaps the trigger to be certain that flints flash brightly. Satisfied, he returns them to the case and tucks it under one arm. Pick a number and add your observation. Again, needing an eight. First die is a five. Good start. Three. We get an eight plus one. Ah, four oh six. This is. Please tell me we get this. This is too many successes to get nothing. Mm-hmm. With a start, you notice that one of the rifles is missing from the rack by the window and point out its absence to the colonel. Hey, that's hardly surprising, young man, says your host. One of the men must have taken it to shoot at some birds. It'll be back by nightfall, I'm sure. Check off Cloopy and turn to 417. Huh, so is someone going to, like, snipe <laughs> yeah, people that's, that's when it. the guns are going? Is that the idea? Yeah, so we were supposed to think all of the, the manhandling of this pistol before was so that the pistols would be used in the duel lethally, and that would be the big distraction. Someone's just going to stand off in the forest instead and fire a shot at the same time as the duel occurs, covering their own shot by the countdown of the... And who's not going to be at the duel? Grayson. <laughs> Grayson. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it's just... It's one of those situations where I feel like it's too obvious that I feel like I'm being baited. Yeah, it's one of those. But we've also gotten a like, lot of it's, really it's good checks. It's either Grayson or Sneed from uh, information it, about it, who was uh, messing with the pistols. In, unless the book on our successes is trying to trick us, it has to be one of the two. Mm -hmm. Unless the book is trying to trick us based off of our successes, which it could be. But I feel like that'd be kind of a bummer. But four seventeen, right? Well, uh, wait. I'm on a different page. What page are you on? I am probably on the wrong page. I think that I'm on the Oh, yeah, 417. Page. Yeah, no, okay. So you just turned ahead already. Cool. Yes. Cloopy. <laughs> and 17. 417. Watson and the colonel prepare to leave the gun room. Are you certain that you would not come to the duel with us? The colonel asks. I should be very pleased if you would join us. Oh, yes, Cousin, you really must come. Watson insists. It's the highlight of the weekend, you know. If you attend the duel, erase your check on decision 26 and turn to 415. Otherwise, turn to 239. This is interesting. 
Because mm. this is the ability to attend the duel with the knowledge that someone has stolen a, one of the rifles. Something that we would not and have gotten that otherwise. the pistols have not been uh, messed about with. Yes. So this this is actually potentially a very useful way to visit and potentially stop the murder with more information than if we just went straight there. Yep. I, I like feel, this now. I feel like this is this feels like the time to go to the duel to me. Absolutely. All right, 415. You cannot refuse the colonel's invitation to watch the recreation of the duel. Everyone, except Grayson and Harris, leaves in a group at about 11 o'clock in the morning. It's a fine, bright morning with only a few high cirrus clouds on the blue sky. The group walks through the quiet woods to a clearing about half a mile from the house. There, servants bring out a long table and a light repast of wine, tea, sandwiches, and cakes, which they set up along the edge of the clearing. As everyone begins eating, Jackson and Colonel Dunlop formally pace off the ground and mark the spots where the duelists will stand. Fox, Cunningham, Watson, and Mortimer's parents stand near the center of the table. Prominent on the table is a case containing the dueling pistols. You notice that neither Mortimer nor Sneed eats anything, although you both sample the wine. Pick a number and add your intuition. Needing an eight. God, this book loves that. Mm-hmm. First die. Oh, God, I love this. Is a five. Great start. Not a one. That'll do it. That's a five. That was me hoping it was not a one. Five and a five. Ah, right. Yes. The confirmation. Yeah. 544. I mean, I'm rolling heat today, at least. But they need to stop. After the meal, there is some time before the exchange of shots, which is to take place at five minutes past noon. You remember that Watson brought the guns from the house himself. Uh, you carried the guns, John. You say, probing a bit. I know I watched you do it, but have you checked <laughs> to see if they were loaded? It'd be tragic if someone were actually shot today. Oh, no chance of that. He answers, laughing at the idea. I cleaned both weapons before I took them to the gun room. From the gun room, rather. No one's touched them since. Fox will load them with powder only, just before they are handed to Mortimer and Sneed. Check off clue O and turn to 381. I guess the only other option would be if Fox puts a bullet in. Mm-hmm. As noon draws near, you find yourself alone, glancing at the others. Fox has begun the task of loading the guns, while the elder Mortimers are talking earnestly to their daughter. If you watch Fox load the guns, 192. If you try and overhear the Mortimers, uh, turn to 125. Otherwise, 408. Interesting. Hmm. I think it's important that we uh, cover all of our bases on the possibility of uh, fumbling with these guns, because at some point it will ask, do you have clues O, P, and Q, uh, in order to point out that the rifle must have been used? Possibly. Here's my fear. Ooh, let me hear it. Of where we're at right now is we are struggling with motive. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if overhearing either overhearing the Mortimers or doing otherwise and trying to, like, observe something else would help us. It, I really it's, wish it would tough. tell us if 408 is just skipping. I know, and that's the, but I think that that's the powerful thing about it is we do know now that sometimes it is, sometimes it does bring us somewhere else. Because, yeah, if, it go, if it's go to 125 and then later we get the option to go to 408, I'd, like, An want. easy choice at that point. Because, yeah, it's, it's, I, 
I am genuinely in a spot where I would go for all three of these. Because, yeah, mm -hmm. watching him load the guns, I do not think that he's going to do anything with them because I think that the fact that the rifle's gone is too important. But that might... I just, that might... That could be a red herring. We might be tunnel visioning. Mm -hmm. And therefore, watching to get confirmation that the guns could not possibly produce un bullet is very useful. But overhearing the Mortimers could definitely help us with motive because what do we have right now? If it if it's Grayson, Grayson's poor. If it's Sneed, what's the motive? Nothing. It, uh, Sneed dislikes someone else though, because it, it's going to be Sneed and Mortimer, right, uh, recreating the duel. Yeah, I think so. But I think Sneed dislikes Harris for marrying someone else. So I don't know. So that's my fear. There is in a similar vein. If we're tunnel visioning. And it's actually Sneed. We don't. We have nothing for motive. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And otherwise, the otherwise, it's just it could be anything. It could be like you check the forest, you know, like which could save somebody's life. So, okay, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm fine with literally all three. So I, I'm happy for you to take the reins. I just wanted to plead the case for the others because I think that this is a trickier choice than it seems. Yes. I feel like this I, is a big one. I was definitely going directly down one, but now I feel much more common, much more even about each of them. Let's go with 408. 408? I want to lean into the possibility of the book giving us, hey, you, you're spending your time doing something else, which is also useful. Yeah. All right. We'll give it a crack. With no one to talk to, you relax and you look around trying to note any odd behavior on the part of your fellow guests. Holmes insists that constant practice will increase any man's skill at the art of observation. Pick a number and add your observation. 2 to 4, 555, 5 to 8, 411, 9 to 12, 363. All right. I'm rolling my first die. It better be a 5. Okay, that's a 2. So we're in mm. the middle category. Unle unless I get a 6. I did not get a 6. I did get a 5. So that, it, that puts us... At the absolute tippy top of the middle category. Mm -hmm. That's hopefully fine. 414. Looking around, you see Colonel Dunlop, Captain Leaf, and Dr. Cunningham standing close together, looking at something in their hands. Their position puzzles you for a moment, and then you realize that they must be synchronizing their watches. Turn to 320. Oh, I feel like we missed something good. Mm-hmm. Oh... In the interval before the duel, Leaf comes over to talk to you. Sorry, what page are we on? 320, am I wrong? I doubt anyone has given you the exact order of events, he says. And I think you will enjoy matters more if you knew what was about to happen when. You nod and thanks. The man will stand ten paces apart, the captain continues, squinting in the sun. I will give them the word ready, and then I would count to five. In the original duel, neither man could fire before the first count or after the last. In fact, Mortimer shot as the second one called one, and while Sneed shot wide at the count of three. Both men today would have been briefed by their shots at the exact moment chosen by their great-grandfathers. You might find it amusing to see how they would come close to the exact second, the bell in a distant church tower chimes the hour, 12 o'clock. Captain Leaf consults his watch, signals for a quiet, and summons the duelists. 
Are you gentlemen certain that bloodshed must settle your dispute? He asks. Both men nod and mumble something that you cannot hear. Then Leaf spins a coin in the air, Sneeds calls heads, and Leaf announces that he has won the toss. The captain picks up the pistol. What if he doesn't in the recreation? You know? Isn't that him? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, they've, they've got a two-headed coin so that yeah. he always wins. <laughs> Uh, the captain picks up the pistols, trades them back and forth between his hands quickly, and offers them to Sneed. The Canadian takes one, Mortimer accepts the other, and Dunlop and Jackson lead the combatants to their places. You glance at your watch, four minutes past noon, and it's almost time. Leaf gives his instructions as he told you he would. I will say ready, and then count to five. You must shoot between the counts of one and five. If you've checked, clue S turned to 484. We have not. We have not. That sucks. Cause it's, that hurts. Because it's probably if the if we inspected the pistols. That's my or guess. if we were more perceptive even or, on yeah, our otherwise roll. Uh, yep, yep, yep. I feel like that's the thing is we needed to have succeeded on that check for us to otherwise to have otherwise uh pay to have that pay off. Mm -hmm. I think. The duelists wait, standing in their places, their sides pointing towards the opponent. To reduce the target. Gun arms by their side, you wonder what to watch during the duel. If you watch Sneed closely, 507, Mortimer closely, 529, or if you watch the entire scene, 457. Huh, I, huh. It's gotta be 457, because, so here's my reasoning. Even if... Fox did mess with the pistols here, right? Even if all of that happened and it is a loaded pistol, the captain himself swapped the pistols yeah, between he his hands them. before handing them off, which means that the motive has to be strained because you don't know who's going to die. So the motive yeah. is either only I want this to create a uh, distraction, in which case it points directly at Grayson, or there is someone to be killed and it can't be done by these pistols. It has to be done by something in the larger scene. Yeah. And also, uh, you know, if a bullet hits somebody, we know which person had the gun with the bullet already. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how much more he looked. I mean, I guess it'd be like you'd catch that expression, but I really want to survey the entire mm -hmm. scene instead. Absolutely. 57 you watch both uniformed men listening as Captain Leaf calls. Ready? One! Smoke erupts from Mortimer's gun as the shot explodes. Two! Three! Sneed fires, having brought his weapon up slowly and smoothly. Then chaos overtakes the anticipated scene. As if actually shot, Mortimer cries in pain, grabbing his neck as he collapses. A woman screams, and the men's astonished shouts add to the confusion. Pick a number and add your observation, adding three if you checked clue S. That hurts so bad because we need a 12. All right. I'll I guess I'll feel okay if we were going to fail this even without, <laughs> or rather even with clue S. So the first die is a two. All right. All right that's, Here we go. Make it hard. Second one is a two. So good news we were never succeeding this. We would have beefed it no matter what. There's no way where we would have had this. So 159, we can rest easy knowing that it wouldn't have mattered. 
You join everyone else in running around Mort to Mortimer's side amidst the screams and excited talk. The group has just enough sense to let the two doctors attend to the wounded man. Mortimer is bleeding from the back of his neck and appears to be dazed. How bad is it, doctor? Mr. Mortimer asks in desperate voice, verging on hysteria. Not as bad as it looks, Dr. Cunningham says as he bandages the wound. The shot just scraped the back of his neck and went on. Uh, the wound may stun him for a moment and can bleed badly, but the young man will be fine in a day or two. As the others express the relief, you hear Mrs. Mortimer tell her daughter, I'll be damned if I allow you to marry some half-cocked foreigner who tried to shoot your brother! You study the scene, trying to understand how this could have happened. If you talk to Dr. Watson about the wound, 486, otherwise 185. I... not to be cruel. Mm-hmm. I don't think we need to talk about the wound. I think we have... I think we have a place to check to potentially catch the culprit of this action mm -hmm. by not engaging in the distraction. It's tough. Yeah, I think I think we are in action time rather than gathering information time. It's just I also recognize the utility of gathering the additional information of, well, as it turns oh. out, this can't have come from the pistol. That's a big, good point especially as he's a military man as they have mentioned many times and could more mm -hmm. likely military man yeah. and a doctor specifically let's, i let's do it trying to and then trying to say because we have i think that it could even give us the check based off of the the hunting rifle mm -hmm. i think you're right i think we do that i think 486 i think that that's a good call let's do it Watson rises from the wounded man's side while Dr. Cunningham finishes bandaging the wound. You get Watson aside and whisper. There's something I don't understand about this wound, John. Uh, what's that? He asks, wiping his hand on a serving linen. If you think the wound wasn't made by a dueling pistol, 492. The location of the wound implies foul play, 322. If you're certain that Sneed's gun was not loaded, 573. I mean, we were, I mean, 492, right? We don't have the ability to prove Sneed's gun wasn't loaded because we didn't examine it being... So, yeah. like, even if, even if we take that, I don't think we have the prerequisite deduction to prove it. Mm -hmm. I think that we could... I think we have more clues that back up 492 than anything else. Absolutely. Even if the gun were loaded, a dueling pistol couldn't wound the man in that way. Not firing from such an angle. You say eagerly. No, cousin, you're wrong. Oof. Watson replies. The bullet just grazed him. Any gun would have inflicted that wound. Turn to 103. Oof. As it turns out, he doesn't have that much experience. <laughs> He's not really a military man. He's or... been stealing valor this entire time. Yeah. Huh. Amidst the sounds of distress and anger of everyone at the duel, one voice overwhelms all of the others. Mr. Mortimer yells at Susan. Even if someone else loaded the gun, Mr. Sneed was supposed to aim wide. Sneed begins to defend himself and then stops. Perhaps I'd better leave, he says. I'll inform the colonel and arrange to take the evening train to London. Mrs. Miss Mortimer's tears cannot sway either her father or her fiancé. The only cool head seems to be that of Ellen Dunlop. As soon as the doctors complete the preliminary examination of Mortimer, she announces... The rest of you shall wait here. I'll go to the house, arrange for the servants to bring a cot to carry John, and prepare a room for him downstairs. Before anyone can suggest an alternative plan, she hurries to the house. Soon, several servants appear, carrying a cot and blankets. 
which they set down beside Mortimer. Turn to 478s. You stand and watch the, as the doctors supervise the servants who gingerly lift Mortimer onto the stretcher. The lieutenant seems to be dazed by his injury. There's plenty of hands to carry the cot towards the house. You managed to overhear Sneed tell Colonel Dunlop that he ought to leave on the evening train. Sneed obviously realizes that his continued presence would be an embarrassment. Once at the house, Beach leads the bearers into the ground floor bedroom, which has been prepared for Mortimer. Dr. Cunningham quickly takes charge and orders everyone except Susan Mortimer out of the room. As you and the others leave, you notice that Sneed, Fox, Jackson, and Leaf are missing from this group. As the group passes by the library, the colonel glances in and gasps, then curses. My god! He cries aghast. The eagle is gone! Everyone crowds towards the hall entrance to look, but you get there first. With the colonel's agreement, you ask Watson to keep everyone else out of the room while you investigate. From outside, you hear Beach comment that the eagle could not have been gone long, for he had gone through the library recently himself. You study the scene and try and decide what to do. Pick a number and add your intuition. Needing an eight. Getting a ten. Good. Ooh. 275. That feels good. That feels good. That feels good. You wonder if some outsider might have slipped through the drawing room and taken the eagle. You go outside and look around and see that Red Ruth, the aging wise and groundskeeper, is working near the end of the house. Have you been working here all morning? You ask Red Ruth. I saw that I have. The groundskeeper answers. Leastways, I've been here since about 10 o'clock, trying to fill in a bad spot in the gardens. Has anyone come through the house, uh, specifically through the drawing room? You ask. No, no one at all. He answers. No going out, except for Mr. Harris. You thank him and return to the library. No outsider stole the eagle, it seems. Turn to 473. Huh. Huh. Okay. Hmm. Did we tunnel vision on Grayson too hard? I hope not. We'll see. You begin to examine the library. A long, polished wooden ladder leans against the mantel where the eagle once rested. Obviously, the thief used it to get at the golden bird. Pick a number and add your observation. Need an eight. Need an eight. Ah. <laughs> There's a five and a or two and then a five. Plus Tense. one. For a moment, you wonder how the ladder came to be there in the library. Then you remember that you saw it before. The colonel keeps it in the corner so that if necessary, he may get the books from the upper shelves. You wonder what clues it might reveal. Turn to 172. So the whole time when we were setting the traps, we were just climbing up there and... its I mean, hey, whatever. Uh, you, mm -hmm. begin, you begin to examine the ladder very carefully. Perhaps the thief left behind some evidence. Pick a number, add your observation. You need an eight, but we do have plus two because of a magnifying glass meaning we only need a six. Okay, the first die is a six. All right, I'll meet you on 489. And then a one. <laughs> okay. That could have ratcheted up the tension if it went in the other yeah, direction. Yeah, 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 yeah. The other order. Sorry, I'll say it again. I got a one, and then a six. <gasps> hey! Your careful examination of the ladder is worthwhile. On one of the lower rungs, you find a trace of grayish-colored mud. You try to remember where you've seen the mud of that color. Check off clue Z. Pick a number and add your observation. Need a 7. First die is a 3. And then a 4. That is a 7 plus 1. That's an 8. We doing it. You concentrate on the mud, which is a pale shade of gray. After thinking for a minute or two, you remember where you saw it. There is a patch of dirt and mud this color halfway between the house 
and the sight of the duel. You recall how the path to the clearing curves around the mud. Check off clue AA and turn to 428. Okay, okay. So someone could have attended the duel as well as stolen this. Gotcha. They simply had to have taken the direct path versus everyone else going around the clearing. Satisfied that you've learned everything that you can from the ladder, you set it back against the mantle and climb up to look where the eagle had rested. You carefully examine the chains that had held the eagle in place, the big padlocks that held them lie open on the mantle. Pick a number and add your observation. Triple tier, 2 to 5, 6 to 8, 9 to 12. First die is a 4. Still in the running for everything except the lowest result. And then a 4, which is a 9. 4, 4, 9. 4, 4 plus 1, 9. 351. We find Grayson. He's still up there. <laughs> he was there the whole time. <laughs> the eagle was the eagle was stashed behind Grayson. You notice that Grayson did not used to have bejeweled wings. <laughs> you study the locks and consider what you've seen. Calling up all that you've learned about lockpicking after a minute or two of careful consideration, you feel certain of your interpretation of the facts. Someone used a, the key to open the padlocks. There's not marks or scratches of the type that even the best lockpick would leave. Check off clue GG and turn to 177. Ah! So who would have a key? Uh, ooh. I, we're not certain yet, but I hope we get to press the colonel on that. Yeah, because the colonel could have possibly known which gun would be loaded if they were loaded. Mm -hmm. He'd be one of he'd be the only one to know. I don't know. That's something. I think he's probably also one of the only people that we had eyes on literally the entire time. That is also true. That is also true. Did we we saw him on the way back? I believe so, yeah, because he, he was having the conversation with Sneed uh, as Sneed was like, I, I should leave. <laughs> I shouldn't be here. This is, this is a bad that's, look. That's true. Yeah. You climb down the ladder and look around the library. Might have been difficult for the thief to take the eagle from the library, considering the number of people nearby. You carefully look under the and all behind all the furniture in the library. You don't find the eagle. You stop to think for a moment, wondering if the thief might have left other evidence of his passage. You methodically walk around the room, looking at every couch and chair, trying to find some mark left by the thief. Dumbwaiter, dumbwaiter. Observation, bonus, meaning an eight. It's, uh, okay. It, a one. Potential redemption arc. It's a one. A six could still do it. Mm-hmm. How about another one? Ooh, that's as bad as we can possibly fail. That's a three taking us to 435. We've never even heard of a dumbwaiter. <laughs> We're the dumbwaiter. Mm-hmm. You complete your study of the library furniture and stand in the middle of the room baffled. You've not learned anything from examining the furniture. Turn to 106. Oh, God. Yeah, it's not helpful. Having looked over the interior of the library, you turn your attention to the various entrances. Could the thief have escaped through the gunroom door? You begin to examine it. If you check decision 20, turn to 479. That was the wax, wasn't it? That was the wax trap, exactly. 479. You kneel by the door and carefully check the wax you left adjoining the door to the frame. You find that the wax is unbroken, and therefore nobody has used this door since you fixed the wax last night. Turn to 567. Interesting. Interesting. But, but we get no marks? No, no clue? 
you look around the lower floor of the library, still trying to find signs of the thief or his actions. To one side of the fireplace, you spy a small door, the small door of a dumbwaiter in the wall. As you go over to examine it, the colonel comments, uh, Surely you do not think the he thief has hidden there, do you? I merely want to search every possible corner of the room. You answer. Mr. Holmes often found key clues in the most absurd places. The colonel nods and watches you as you work. If you've checked off clue C, turn to 141. We have, yeah? As it turns out, we do know what a dumbwaiter is. Clue C is our dumbwaiter. All right, 141. You remember that the dumbwaiter no longer functions and that it's this is the only entrance to it. Even if the thief tried to use it, he could not have sent the eagle anywhere by the dumbwaiter. If you look inside the dumbwaiter anyways, 476, otherwise 224. He couldn't we'll sit. check it. It's true that he couldn't have sent it anywhere, but it could still be in there. Mm-hmm. Trying to be as thorough as possible, you open the dumbwaiter and see that the only the ropes that work it. Curious, you tug at them, and you find that they won't move at all. The dumbwaiter seems to be completely broken. You comment. I can't even budge these ropes. I'm not surprised. The colonel says. It's been useless for many years. Oi. Pick a number at observation. Needing a nine. Okay. First roll is a four. Double. Double. Six. Four, five, or six will do it. Let's yeah. go. We need, th we need this. We need this. As you stare at the dumbwaiter ropes, you realize that something is odd. Someone has twisted some wire around the rope. No wonder it's impossible to move the thing. Why would anyone do such a thing? If you free the ropes and lower the dumbwaiter, turn to 316. Or if you'd rather wait before freeing the ropes, turn to 466. Uh... What? I guess I... Hmm. So I can imagine that if we... If we truly believe it's there, that there is a option here to leave it there such that we can try and catch the person who comes back to collect it. So we leave ourselves the opportunity to gain more evidence on the case. Um, alternatively, we could just retrieve it and the case is over. But it's we true. don't have someone to point at as the criminal who may have possibly done it. It's true. Oh... This is tough. This is a tough one. Mm-hmm. The fear is that well, hey, wait before freeing the ropes does seem like it will... You would think it would let us utilize that information. Still. Because it... Ah, this is tough. Do you have a lean either which way? Uh, I do really like the, the idea of using it as a trap. But I don't know if the book will let us do that or not. I hope it does. I kind of want to let the book have a give us the opportunity to like prove that we were right full circle. So I I kind of want to give the book the opportunity on four sixty six, but I'm scared <laughs> that it's gonna backfire. Do you have a lean? We've tried to actively uh, intervene in things so far. I almost want to lean in that direction and keep trying. As in... To actively prevent crimes in the midst of them occurring rather than to solve them after the fact. As And which which option here do you think is better for that? That would be opening it. That's like a 51-49 lean, though. I'm, I'm happy to do either or. Yeah, I'm like a 51 well, I'm actually more tied up in the gut to do either or, for what it's worth, but... Mm. It feels like this is a crucial decision. I know, and I hate it. 
I just I wish I knew if we were gonna get to mark something down if we went to four sixty six. Mm-hmm. That's my big question. Because if we do, then like that feels that it feels like that could be really utilized so well. But Let's we also do don't know for a, we don't know for a fact it's down there. I but it has I'm to be right. Almost certain. All right, four sixty six. Let's do it. Fine. Let's we'll see. Ay ay ay. The tide. Okay, I see one thing that makes me happy. The tide ropes strike you as being a very odd thing, but you're not sure what it means. You decide not to reveal your discovery until you've uncovered further information. Check off decision 25 and turn to 224. Okay, it's very encouraging the book knows why we did that. Yes. You finish it with the ground floor section of the library and anxiously ascend the stairs to the gallery. Perhaps you can tell if the thief used the door into the upstairs hall. You go to the door and find that the while, while the bolts and the lock are secured, the key is missing from the lock. What could that mean? If you've checked decision 20, turn to 412. Otherwise, 411. We have, yeah? That's the... We have indeed. That's again the wax trap. So we know yeah. the wax trap wasn't set off, so we should know where they must have entered. You bend down by the door into the upstairs hall. The wax you placed there remains intact. Thus, I didn't know we'd set a trap on two doors. But I think it... I thought it was the same door. Uh, oh. Oh, that makes sense too, then. It just feels weird that we're checking it twice, then. Okay. Thus, no one has used this door since last night. Turn to 490. I wonder if it's possible we could have gotten to that without having checked the first wax trap uh, first time. Uh, you consider what next to do. Everyone is gathered in the drawing room except for John and Susan Mortimer and Dr. Cunningham, who are in Mortimer's bedroom. Above the nervous nervous hubbub, the colonel calls for order. I must have your attention. He calls, and everyone is quiet. We have a thief among us. Bam, bam. He pauses to allow comment, then continues. I ask your kind indulgence. Please make no plans to leave until the thief of the eagle is revealed. Thank you. Everyone looks more than a little put out and quite impatient. The colonel motions you to a side to whisper. It would be wise to complete your investigation as soon as possible. If you've checked off clue AA, it turned to 333. We have, yeah? Hey, hey, that's that the track. is the mud. Yes. You look out a window and see that it'll rain shortly. Remembering the mud on the ladder, you'll resolve that now is the time to examine this mud before the rain washes away any traces. If you examine the mud, 158 or 196. I mean, Let's why, through, why throw this lead away? Oh my god. Uh Oh, raps. Oh no. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? Mhm. Okay. You follow the path towards the clearing where the duel was staged. Your memory of the path is clear and correct. It runs straight until it reaches the very muddy patch, then curves to avoid the boggy ground. Virtually everyone must have avoided the mud. Only one set of footprints appears to have crossed it. And these are too blurred to identify. However, they definitely lead from the dueling grounds back to the house. That one person must be the thief. You try and decide who it was. If you think it was the Colonel, 470. If you think it was Sneed, 472. Captain Leaf, 475. Lieutenant Jackson, 477. Harris, 482. Ellen Dunlop, 267. Dr. Watson, what? <laughs> 491. Dr. Cunningham, 493. If you don't know, 495. None of these are Grayson. None of these are Grayson. Because Grayson wasn't there. But also, 
uh, Harris wasn't there, so it's not Harris either. But Harris is listed, strangely. Yeah. How are we supposed to know this? With different checks successes, which I sucks so. because we've we we were so successful in some areas. Um, my only thought being like. Are we supposed to say that we don't know based off of that? Because this is not this is you trying to decide decide who it was. This is not us making our formal case. Yes, it's just usually how the formal case is presented. Yes. So, um, I wonder if we have like a free shot here. Mm. Like, if you think it was Captain Leaf, for instance, we turn to Captain Leaf's page, and it's like, no. Yeah. So, in that mind, I want to start ruling out people. Sure. Not the colonel. He was with Sneed at the time. Uh, we saw and heard that conversation. Not Sneed. Same reason. Mm-hmm. Captain Leaf? I don't think so. I, yeah, we don't have anything off I, of it. I don't have a special reason to think so or not think so. I do believe there were specific groups of conversations that were coming back talking to one another. I believe Watson and Cunningham were together as well as the doctors. Yeah. Um, yep. So that leaves Jackson, Harris, who wasn't there. Yeah. Dunlop, Leith. I know nothing about Jackson. I yeah. literally don't remember that there's a character named that. I, I don't think it's Ellen Dunlop either. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, I do think it's... I think it's... Out of this list, it's Harris or or... Or hoping, like, hands in the air, that if we say, I don't know, that we continue investigating to find out. Calling the books bluff, in a way. That's that's my only... I don't know if that's, like, a thing that the book is cool with. I'm comfy doing that. I'm also comfy saying Leaf, Jackson, let's, or Ellen. Let's make a note. How about, let's do this. Let's make a note of this page. Go to 495, and if it is like a you are done, then we'll go back and we'll take our shot. Just to, we'll, to see. Uh, okay. <laughs> Four, 495. The identity of the person leaving the prince remains a mystery. Turn to four, 568, okay? Mm, that good. seems like it's... You didn't get anything, right? Yeah. Leaving... The patch of mud. You return to the house to continue your investigation. Turn to 196. Oh, yay. Okay. Do we want to use that opportunity to take a shot and check a different one? I want to go to 196 first. Personally. I feel like... Uh, but I, I'm down to be convinced. No, I think we should go ahead. I don't want to commandeer. I was just stating my how I feel. And I feel... In, unless, I don't know, uh, eh, yeah, eh, I'm already on 196. You realize that only a few people could have taken the eagle. The four people that left the group early are Sneed, Jackson, Leaf, and Fox. Then there's Harris, who is not at the duel, and Miss Dunlop, who came back at the house alone. Hmm. The colonel orders these six to answer your questions, and you ask each of them what he did upon returning to the house. The answers vary. Captain Leaf and Lieutenant Jackson headed straight for the drawing room and the brandy, needing a stiffener after the shooting. Sneed and Fox both say they went straight upstairs to change their shoes, though they did not go together. Harris apparently has not returned from his walk. 
Miss Dunlop explains that she went up to change only after Mortimer was carried out to the house and settled into bed. You decide to question some of them alone, the colonel granting you the use of his study. If you wish to question Lee further, 108, otherwise 496. Uh, are these interviews going to be at the cost of one another? I can imagine not. I would imagine not. The question just being if it is if it is Harris or if it is Grayson, is there a flight risk? Mm-hmm. I mean, they've, they've been sequestered, right, already here. Yeah, well, I mean, Grayson's not even here. So who knows if that's even a possibility at this point? Mm. I'm happy for either role. I want you to make this decision since I steered the last one. Um, I don't want to talk to Leaf. Do it. Wanna wait? You make certain the captain is comfortable, then ask him. I understand you went straight to the drawing room, Captain. But hey, lad. Leaf answers, visibly shaken. I needed to drink very badly indeed. I've seen 24 of these recreations, and I never thought I'd see a man shot in one of them. While you were in the drawing room. You continue. Did you hear any noise from the library? Perhaps the sound of someone moving about? Oh no, I've heard nothing. He answers, puzzled by your question. Of course, we were talking quite a bit. You know, Jackson, that man can't be quiet for a second. You ask another question or two, but learn nothing of use. Thankingly, for his help, you open the door for him and turn to 496. 496. You consider talking to Lieutenant Jackson to see if he noticed anything. If you talk to Jackson, 498, otherwise 180. Um, basically, I think that the we, we need to come to the decision, do we want to skip any? Because do we fear we, a time limit? Yeah, I think I think we should... Uh, I. I'll say, we're on 496, I can see entry 498 from here, and I know it ends by taking us to 180, so this is a detour we can take Ah, uh, okay. Let's go to 498 then, I guess. <laughs> Jackson comes in and sits in the chair. The brandy has relaxed I, him considerably. I, sorry, I did, did, jumped my gun there. <laughs> I understand you went straight from the drawing room, sorry, straight to the drawing room, rather? You begin. Did you hear anything from the library while you were in there? Before others came in, and you learned the eagle was gone. Jackson shakes his head. Ah, you know Captain Leaf. He says with a smile. If you were alone with him, would you have heard anything in an adjoining room? Anything short of a cannon? <laughs> he laughs and cannot give you any other useful information. Turn to 180. You consider the other witnesses. It is of little value to question Sneed and Fox, for if they went straight upstairs as they claimed, then they saw nothing. If one of them was, is the thief, he is not likely to tell you the truth anyways. On another note, Miss Dunlop was very busy when she returned to the house, but she's a sharp, intelligent lady. Perhaps she noticed something. If you question Miss Dunlop, 191, otherwise 483. I mean, we've got a question. Specifically because she's the only one confirmed to have come back to the house alone. And we know no one else went through that part with the mud. True. The mud... Well, I was going to say mud could be nothing, but that's just not true because it's on the ladder. Mm -hmm. uh, you see that Miss Dunlop... Sorry, I'm on 191. You see that Miss Dunlop is comfortably seated and relaxed before you begin to question her. What I need to study. You explain. Are the movements of each person while separated from the others. Now, while you ran up to the house by yourself, you got more help from Mortimer. Did you see anyone in or near the house then? If you've checked decision 26, go to 499, otherwise 519. 
we have check 26. That was deciding to keep watch rather than going in the first place to the duel. Huh. Which I think we were supposed to erase. So... Oh. Because if we chose to go to the duel, we had to erase decision 26. So uh, we haven't checked it. Okay, that's probably a good thing. That probably... Well, or not probably a good thing. It's probably just uh, so it doesn't tell us redundant information is my guess. Mm -hmm. Like, we were at the duel. And if we go to 499, it's going to act like we weren't there. 519. I saw no one except the servants. Miss Dunlop answers. And none of them were even working near their library. Turn to 529. 6, 526. You consider her answer and then ask. And after Mortimer was carried back to the house and placed in his room. Miss Dunlop does not answer and appears uneasy. You add. Did you see anything then? Pick a number and add your communication. Needing an 8. Getting an eight. Getting an eight? Yes. <gasps> eight, seven, Yay. plus one. I, I just, this book is, it just loves giving us eight checks. This person, Miss Dunlop seems to consider the question for a long moment. I left the bedroom sore as soon as I saw Dr. Cunningham had the situation under control and didn't require my help. I need to go upstairs and change as my shoes and clothes were quite muddy. But I hesitated a moment as I left John's room. I saw Robert Sneed outside the library, just standing there. Then he went upstairs, and I followed a minute later. Check clue BB. Pick a number and add your intuition bonus. You need For what it's worth, uh, we know that Sneed and another character, I can't remember, uh, came back and changed their shoes quickly as well. Uh, so everyone probably has mud on their shoes. It's just who has the gray mud. It's true. I will tell you, we might figure it out. Uh, I got a, a 9 plus 1. We're at 10. We succeed this check. 419. Hell yeah. You feel that Miss Dunlop is not telling you the whole truth, but you do not dare confront her. Either she saw Sneed do something that thoroughly compromised his innocence, or else she knows he is innocent but wishes to protect someone else. Why? Turn to 483. Oh, feels like we might be in Motiveville. Mm-hmm. For the moment, you've finished questioning the witnesses, but Beach tells you that Harris just returned to the house. But as with Sneed and Fox, there was little to be gained in questioning him. Either he was away from the house, as he appears to have been, or he stole the eagle and certainly won't admit it. You consider searching in individual rooms upstairs. Those of Sneed, Fox, and Miss Dunlop are available for discreet inspection at the moment. If you search upstairs, turn to 182, otherwise 369. I think we have to go to 182 and search Dunlop's room. I think so, too. And for what it's worth, I don't think it's for something to incriminate her. I think it's to figure out what she's, yeah, just what she's hiding. Mm -hmm. You decide that it's necessary to search upstairs. The colonel reluctantly agrees with the idea. You put one of the padlocks from the eagle's chain in your pocket. If you find some sort of key or lockpick, you can try it without calling attention to yourself. If you've checked decision 21, turn to 420, otherwise 533. Dang. No, no 21 for us. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's just a continuity thing. You summon Watson from the drawing room and go upstairs with him. You decide to concentrate your search of the three rooms while Watson looks through the second floor's hiding places. As Watson enters a storage closet, you pause outside of Sneed's room. You wonder if you can eliminate any of the suspects without a search. You search Sneed's room to turn to 2.30, otherwise turn to 5.12. Oi, is it... Is it an 
either or? Hmm, I don't know. It really could be. Uh... I almost don't want to waste the possibility in case they are uh, unique. It's true. I don't know... I don't know what we could find in Sneed's room that was would prove his innocence. Mm-hmm. It would... We'd be searching Sneed's room to find a motive for someone else, which seems unlikely, but possible, but unlikely. Mm-hmm. And I, it yeah, again, it would be so great if it was clear if this otherwise would would lock us out of something or not. A thing that we have been saying since book number one. But that's also part of the fun, and sometimes I, I know that it does sometimes. So that, I mean, I think that's part of it. I'm happy to skip this one. I'm happy to, just in case it is. I don't know what we would find in here to absolve Sneed. I guess only the his mud on his boots. Shoes without yeah. mud. Yeah, that, I, that's yep. We came to it at the same time. That's it's the only thing we could get. Maybe they'd be good. I'm 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 very down to check. Let's do it. And maybe we'll keep five keep five twelve in mind, and maybe we'll figure something. You know. That mm-hmm. number in mind, maybe. I just, I just want to be certain that we can search each of them. I know. You open the door and enter Sneed's room. It reminds you of your own. Sneed has a large corner bedroom with heavy, comfortable furniture. The bed is perfectly made. There's a large closet whose door is open to show its emptiness. A large dresser and a big steamer trunk, closed by a heavy padlock. The key is visible in the lock. A search of the dresser reveals nothing of interest. You wonder whether you should search the chest. If you do, 546, otherwise 562. I mean, why not, right? Yeah. I'm not going to find the eagle in there. We already know what that is. The steamer chest is filled with clothes. Evidently, Sneed does not believe in unpacking when he's spending only a few days in a house. You measure the chest and see that it has no hidden compartments. Pick a number and add your observation bonus. Needing a 7, getting an 8. Boot mud. Boot mud. Boot mud. The last object you examine is a dirty handkerchief. Crumpled in a corner at the bottom of the chest. When you pick it up, it feels heavy. You find that it's wrapped around three lead balls. The balls could fit the dueling pistols. You carefully return everything to its place in the chest, making sure it's arranged just as Sneed left it. Check clue DD and turn to 562. Oh boy. I didn't expect that. And yet, and yet... How would he have loaded them? I I wonder if he could have just rolled it down the end of the barrel before firing. That so, said, this doesn't necessarily imply that he used them. Also, why would you take three if you were going to a duel? That's what I'm getting at is that mixed with the guns being swapped makes sure, me wonder if this is a framing. It, mm. Because he... He'd be the obvious person. He he is in the duel of killing the guy. Mm-hmm. He is the stupidest. He'd be the stupidest uh, criminal ever to just shoot him in broad daylight on purpose. Mm-hmm. Where where's the criminal self preservation? This feels yeah. this feels wrong to me. This but, feels like someone throwing a motive at him. A yeah, motive, a, a means rather. At yeah, because and makes me feel like it's going to have been very important that we really watch the pistols get loaded, which is such the fact that we didn't get the extra ops. Well, the extra observation, I guess we got something out of it, but 
That, yeah, it's a spooky, spooky thing. You stare at the steamer chest, for there is something odd about it. Something that you should have noticed. Pick a number and add your intuition. Needing an eight. First number is a four. Come on. Three. Is that, that's an eight. That'll do it. Four, three is an eight with plus one. With a start, you realize that the padlock on the trunk is virtually identical to the one that protected the eagle. You wonder whether Sneed's key might work in the padlock from the library. If you try the key, 357, otherwise 107. I mean, why would we not try? Yeah, exactly. We can do it surreptitiously in our own pocket. You test the key from Sneed's chest in the library padlock, and at first it'll not turn in the lock, but you twist it a little, and suddenly the lock opens, pops open in your hands. Sneed could have unfastened the eagle from its bonds, but did he? Check deduction 24, turn to 107. So what this proves is if the alternative is true and the lead balls have been hidden here for giving a, a means to Sneed a, a possible frame, then that just proves that the person who stole the eagle also did this because they also would have had access to this chest. It's, it's definitely true. It's also uh, my favorite movie franchise. Means for Sneed. Two. And three. It's about cars and racing. Oh. I've got a means, a means for Sneed. I thought it was about family. <laughs> no, wait, that's, uh, that's, that's the other one. That's Fast and Furious. Sneed's and Sneurious. I guess there is a movie on Need for Speed, isn't there? Hold on. I was, it's games. I should know. I don't cars. There's a game. There's a movie. There's a movie, right? There's a Need for Speed you movie. You don't car. You truck. Need for Speed movie. Wait, featuring I Aaron Paul? There is one. Oh. The main character Wait, is, is Aaron it, Paul? Is it out? Is it coming up? 2014. Rami Malik? Oh, okay. Aaron Paul? What is this? It didn't it, cast. It, it apparently wasn't good. Anyways, I have a means for Sneed. Uh, you rise your feet. Wait, are we on 107? 107, yes. You rise your feet and look around the room, trying to find other things to search. If you've checked clue AA, turn to 249. Okay, okay, okay. That'll do it. That's still that, the muddy boots. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, that could that could absolve him. Mm-hmm. You recall the grayish mud you found on the ladder and realize that some of it probably remains on the thief's shoes. Sneed's shoes lie on the floor by his bed. If you examine the shoes, 176. Otherwise, eh, 566. Why? <laughs> You carefully examine Sneed's shoes. The pair he wore to the duel are still damp, and there are odd bits of grass that are stuck to them. There's no sign of mud, the mud, however. They therefore provide no evidence that Sneed was the thief. Turn to 566. Hell yeah. That's, what what do you that's... wear a second pair of shoes back here and then change out of that pair of shoes and this pair of shoes and then hide the other shoes? Nah, not Sneed. Yeah. Satisfied. Thievery, at least. Not a not a sneed for thieve. Mm. <laughs> uh, satisfied that you have carefully searched Sneed's room, you return to the hall and turn towards Fox's room five twelve, which was the one the 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 number I said to note down. So we did not indeed, which means we're yeah. likely to be able to search all three. Yeah. <clears throat> you walk down the hall to Fox's room and stop outside the door. Have I any reason to search this one? You wonder. If you search Fox's room, turn to 285. Otherwise, 575. If there was one out of the three that I'd want to skip, it would be this one. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know if we have any reason to not though. Yeah, I'm not against skipping it, but just the fact that we got so many clues in the previous one really makes me want to persist. Yeah, I think we're going to go to 285 and it's going to hit us with like a eh, you search there's nothing. But I'm happy to I'm happy to do it. Cuz there could also be some cahoots going on. Fox has a comfortable room facing the east with heavy curtains to protect a guest's slumber from the early sun. The bed is perfectly made. You see two possible hiding places, a heavy wooden dresser and a large wardrobe. Searching both of them, you find nothing suspicious. You stand in the center of the room and look around again. Pick a number and add your observation, needing a seven. This is not cool. I got another snake eyes. Well, I mean, let's get the snake eyes out of the way in the room of the person we don't really suspect. This is wild, though, yeah. It's basically... It's basically succeed the check or get a snake eyes is what's happening. Mm -hmm. And it's it's wild. You wonder whether you sh should examine anything else in Fox's room. If you've checked clue AA, turn to 118. Yes, sir. Let's check them boots. Recalling the gray mud you found on the ladder in the library, you wonder whether you should check Fox's shoes. If you examine the shoes, 527. Otherwise, 575. I mean, we should, right? 527. You go to the closet and examine the shoes, which appear to be clean. Either Fox did not change his shoes when he came upstairs after the duel, or else he cleaned the shoes he was wearing. You can learn nothing from these shoes. Turn to 575. Hmm. Okay. You walk down the hall and stop outside Miss Dunlop's store, recalling the evidence you've assembled. You wonder. Should I search her room? Or can I spare the pleasant young lady that indignant? Nah, you say, if you search the room 134. <laughs> Otherwise, turn to 111. No, right? Indignity. Mm-hmm. Indignity uh, entirely. I mean, the other rooms had nothing else, so... Yeah. As soon as you step into Miss Dunlop's room, you see that you're in someone's permanent home rather than a guest room. The furniture is solid and fine, with lacy clothes covering the tops of the dresser and bedside table. A number of small paintings of birds and flowers are arranged on one wall, and the pink soft curtains on the windows are obviously purchased for this particular person. There's a bookcase filled with novels against one wall and a small desk in a corner. You look around, searching for possible clues. Pick a number and add your observation, needing a seven. That's a four. That's a spinning, spinning a lot, spinning a lot, spinning a lot. It's a five. Fine, three fifty-two. Through the dresser and wardrobe, though, though the dresser and wardrobe yield nothing of interest, you're more fortunate when you search the desk. In the top drawer, you find a large ring of keys. They look as though they were put away, not hidden in the desk. You look at them for a moment, then understand. Miss Dunlop helps her uncle run the house. Obviously, she would need to have a set of keys for the place. Look over the keys, you find that one seems to fit the padlock, and testing it, you find that it fits the lock. Check clue EE and turn to 153. Hmm. This... I find it interesting that the fact that the Sneed's key worked was decision 24, but the fact that Dunlop's key works is clue EE. I'm sure we could meta-suss something out of that. Hmm. I don't intend to as much but, as yeah. I look at it and go, this is strange. This is a clue. IRL. <laughs> you look around the room once more and try to decide if there's anything else worth examining. If you've checked clue AA, I'm already on 209. Mm-hmm. Let me see them. Shoes. You remember the mud from the library ladder? In your, I guess, in your head? Oh, God, I immediately saw the page, and I was like, I saw the shoes. I go to the shoes. Yeah. Uh, so I'm on 515, which I, I imagine I'm wondering, should I look at these shoes? Yeah, you basically said it. 515. 
None of the shoes in the closet is marked with mud, but as you turn away from them, you notice another pair of partial another pair partially hidden by the bed. You pick them up and see traces of the mud on the bottom and sides. So Miss Dunlop ran through the gray mud. Could she have stolen the eagle? Why? Check clue FF and turn to 146. Okay. Well, you're 100% right. We're back in the realm of the motive. What are you doing with this? Why? Yeah. I guess the thing that would be obvious while looking at it that I wish was more clear is, are they Miss Dunlop-sized shoes? I can only imagine that. I would imagine they'd have to be. If it were. Yeah. Otherwise, I will be mad later. So, I mean... Mm -hmm. We've got all of the method for maybe, Dunlop. We have yeah. no motive. Yeah. Well, all of the method except for, you know, pistol uh, yeah. shenanigans. We don't know what happened there. Yeah. I mean, she would be well aware of the dumbwaiter situation. She'd be well mm -hmm. aware of it. Yep. She... She... Yeah. We... we the check at night with the pistols, there was one thing that clued her in as a possibility, and then when we pushed further, for, she was for ruled Dunlop? out. No. That was Miss oh. Mortimer. Who oh. was, uh, Miss Mortimer, in fact, is the only woman who was possibly accused in the start there, yeah. and then is cleared by the next one, uh, saying that it was the gray hair of either Philip Sneed or Grayson. Yeah. Okay. So it's still Sneed or Grayson doing something with the uh, pistols. It that's the thing is it feels like there's two people involved, one more for the shooting aspect and one for the stashing of the eagle, but mm -hmm. they're probably in cahoots unless the second one is just trying to take advantage of the situation. The first one, hence it being more hasty and them running from, but that I don't know. It's so in entirely possible. I think you're onto something as well because literally the first deduction we got in this entire book is Watson telling us about two cases that he yeah. thinks are connected. The same person committed both, and with insight we say no, not necessarily. Yeah, we'll see. One forty-six. Having completed a search of the room, you go in the hall, and before going downstairs, you stop to think for a moment. Turn to one eleven. I do hope that at some point we get to push into our thoughts of the did Grayson really leave of it all. Like, that's one thing that I just, like, I, we got so much for that. And then, to, and like clues relating to mo potential motive and stuff like that for that, for him to then not be a part of this at all feels really weird. Mm hmm. It also feels like we haven't had appropriate opportunity to investigate other people on the other side. Like, Sneed, yes, Grayson, we've had almost no opportunity except for the first initial talking to him. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, 111, right? 111. You stop in the hall, carefully reviewing the evidence you've gathered. The colonel will undoubtedly ask for a solution to the various puzzles this case presents when you go downstairs. If you've checked decision 21, turn to 579, otherwise 300. I really do wonder what decision 29, uh, 21 is, but uh, 300, we haven't checked it. As you stand and think, oh, I think I know what it is. Watson, mm. I, I'll say after this. Watson comes out of the water closet. I finished searching the other rooms for the eagle, he says, scratching his head. There's no sign of it anywhere. Wonder where that thing could be, he adds. Wondering the same thing, you thank him. And then the two of you return downstairs.
Decision 21 is lifting up the dumbwaiter and finding the eagle. 100%. Mm, 100%. Sense. It's gotta be. Yeah, because the alternate page here would, of course, not reference still trying to yep. find it. Yep. It, it has to be. I, Which is, again, Absolutely. like... I feel like a meta a, a meta solve of the fact that I think we're right about the eagle being there. The hope is that, mm-hmm. but like in my head, I'm like in the in the shows and the shows and stuff like that. They always save the and this pulls up dumb waiter is where the eagle was hiding. Like yep, it, that's always the thing at the end. So I'm like, oh, so it must be the right thing to do because that's what happens in Sherlock Holmes. Anyways, you ask the colonel for a word in solitude in his study. I finished my investigation. You announce. Who's the culprit? Dunlop demands. A facial twitch betrays the colonel's outward calm. I'd rather wait a moment before I make an accusation. You answer. Dr. Watson and I will dine with Mr. Holmes in Gunston this evening. I should like to go into town and ask him to review my deductions before I point the finger at anyone. The colonel stares at you in amazement. Sherlock Holmes is in Gunston? He asks. I shall send the coat for him at once. Why should I depend upon you when I can have the opinion of the greatest detective in the world? He calls for Beach, gives instructions, and soon the coach is racing towards Gunston to pick up Holmes. While you wait, hiding your embarrassment, you join others in the drawing room, and immediately Captain Leap joins you and Watson, launching into a story about an old wedding he witnessed in India. The story leads him to recap the day's events, and he comments... Certainly, it's hard to see a reenactment of the duel apparently prevent a wedding between a Sneed and a Mortimer, <laughs> He then chuckles as though it reminded him of another of his collection of tales. If you ask Leaf what he meant, turn to 293, otherwise 403. What do you mean by that? Is, yeah. Hmm. Hey, what's so odd about it, Captain Leaf? You ask. I admit the irony in it. The first duel was fought because such a wedding was squashed, and now the reenactment has blocked the wedding. <laughs> he answers and launched into a tale of an Indian wedding that turned into a small war. At least the old man's story helps to pass the time as you wait for Mr. Holmes. Turn to 403. Is this tr- just trying to bring attention to the fact that this halted the wedding? Mm hmm. I think. S- motive? Possible motive, yes. Um, who would know that? Who would benefit? Someone from that? was trying to stop the marriage. Was it? I don't remember. <laughs> if that was yesterday. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> Podcast spoilers. That was yesterday for us. You continue talking with Doctor Watson and Captain Leaf until the Colonel's coach returns. Beach gracefully opens the door, and Holmes's tall, lean figure strides in. As always, he appears eager for the chase. You and Watson join Holmes and the Colonel in the Colonel's study, where he outlines the case to the detective. You then tell Holmes everything that you've been able to learn, and Holmes listens carefully, then goes outside to investigate, guided by Redroot, the groundskeeper. Holmes spends almost two hours outside investigating, and his clothes show signs of having gone through heavy grass and brush when he returns. Again, you join him. The Colonel and Dr. Watson is in the study. Well, Mr. Holmes... The colonel begins. Who is the guilty party? I think you should ask my associate first. Holmes answers primly, indicating you. It is his case, after all. I know who committed the various acts which so disturbed the peace at Eagle Towers, but he should receive the credit if indeed he has solved the case. Reluctantly, the colonel agrees. If you've checked decision 23 turned to 142, have we? No. God dang it, this sucks. (laughs) 254. 
Let us begin with the theft of the eagle. Holmes says, reaching for the cigarette. We can deal with the shooting later. If you've checked decision 21, turn to 115, otherwise 460. Hopefully we can say the dumbwaiter. Mm-hmm. Please. Before you name the thief... Holmes continues. Have you discovered where the golden bird is hidden? If you say it's hidden upstairs, 556, behind the books in the library, 576, uh, hidden in the dumbwaiter, 166, or passed to someone outside, 121. 166. It's it's in there. Mm -hmm. It's in there, and we we have a check to prove it. I think the eagle's hidden in the dumbwaiter in the library. You say? But how could that be? The colonel asks, his eyes wide with disbelief. It doesn't lead anywhere. Ah, oh, it'd thus be the perfect hiding place. Watson says. Let us look and see. Holmes interrupts, and you all hurry to the library. If you've checked deduction 25, turn to 356. Surely we have Fifty-six. that is the tied ropes. Pleased with yourself, you reach in among the ropes and remove the piece of wire that held them together. Then you work the ropes and lower the tray back into sight. Sitting majestically upon it is the golden bird. I say! Cries the colonel, reaching for the treasured standard. Turn to 589. All right. I'm That's, so glad. <laughs> that helps a lot. We at least, you know, the man's not dead as far as we know mm -hmm. and we and found the, the eagle stolen. so that that's good no crimes were successfully achieved so already have a, a, a bite like a victory of a sword so hopefully we can give a... the colonel almost hugs the heavy eagle to his chest quickly he returns to the study and with your assistance locks the eagle in the safe uh, before anything else happens to it <laughs> the colonel notes turn to 115 I like that this book is giving us more opportunities to say, like, hey, do you know uh, any of these additional things? Here's some red herrings. But also, if you suspect this, you can still suggest to the book you suspect this. I hope it does that with respect to what happened in the duel. Yes. The eagle is now secure in the colonel's safe. Holmes says, clearly pleased. We wish to know the identity of the thief to prevent any attempted repetition of the crime. Who stole the eagle? The detective asks you. As you hesitate, the colonel repeats Holmes's question. Yes, who did steal the eagle? If you say an outsider stole it, 297. If you admit you do not know, 447, 443. If you accuse Grayson, the solicitor, back as an option, 382. Mm -hmm. Beach, the butler, 294. Fox, 109. Sneed, 513. Miss Dunlop, 199. If you accuse another, just some other servant, 307. If you accuse Lieutenant Jackson and C Captain Leaf, oh, 392. Because they were each other's alibis, so it would have to be both if it were them. Interesting. Um, Dunlop. Uh, she's got the, the, she's the only person with the mud on her boots. She had access via the key uh, and... Yeah. Was the only person who was alone in that period of time that we know was also here. Yeah, as far as who stole the eagle, unless there's something completely that we don't, yeah, like, it would have to, we have nothing else. Mm -hmm. We have nothing else. If there's any reason for it to be Grayson, we did not do the things that would allow that to be clear. So, I think it, we have to take Miss Dunlop. I don't know on what planet we would, yeah, yeah, 199. She is at least 
part of it. You glance at the colonel, knowing that he will not like what you must say. I'm afraid that your niece, Ellen, stole the eagle. You venture, eyes averted. The colonel's face turns bright red and reaches for a riding crop that sits on his desk. How dare you say such a thing! He thunders, threatening you. Patience, Colonel. Holmes says gently. My friend must have grounds for the charge. Please reveal them to us. If you've checked deduction 22, we turn to 346, otherwise 324. Have no. we? We haven't? We haven't, no. Oh. Oh, no. That's not a good start. Conscious of the Colonel's anger, you draw a deep breath before you begin to explain the evidence. If you're wrong, you're going to be in a great deal of trouble. If you've checked off clue Z and clue FF, turn to 541. Otherwise, We have indeed. That is the Thank gray God. mod on the ladder, as well as Dunlop having that mod on her boots. Thank God. Okay. We can at least explain ourselves. <laughs> mm-hmm. That helps a lot. I found some very solid physical evidence. You begin. So there was a bit of grayish colored mud on the ladder in the library. I remembered seeing that outside, and I found mud of the same color on Miss Dunlop's shoes. Turn to 201. That sounds like solid proof. Holmes admits grudgingly. But did you find any other evidence as well? You think through what you've learned. If you've checked clue EE, turn to 398. Is that the key? We have indeed. That is the key working, exactly. Clue EE is the one with the key. She also has keys to open the padlocks. You continue. My niece has keys to every lock of the house. The colonel admits. And... You add... The thief knew the house very well. Obviously, your niece would know everything about that house. If you've checked deduction 19, turn to 212, otherwise 505, have we? We have not. So that's 505. You wait for Holmes' evaluation of your proof, delighted to see the great detective smile. You've done very well, Holmes says. You have built a solid case. There can be no doubt that Miss Dunlop took the eagle. Turn to 120. That sounds great. The outraged red fades from the colonel's face as he hears the evidence. With his face paling, he sags into his chair. But why? He asks in a broken voice. Why should she seal it? Uh, she has no reason to do such a thing. I've done everything for her that I could. What do you think? Holmes asks you. If she stole it for her fiancé, 511, for the money, 122... To prevent anyone from leaving the house, 123, or to hurt her uncle, 132. I don't think it's that one. I don't think it's to hurt her uncle either. Uh, we'll remind ourselves at this point that her fiancé is Richard Harris. The one that initially the colonel suspected of theft here. Sure. We don't have a strong reason to believe that. She stole it to prevent anyone from leaving the house. And to 123. So, it, 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 if it prevented the, the leaving of the house, that means it prevented Sneed and Mortimer each from actually leaving this estate. Uh, but so also, Harris was allowed to leave anyway. Yeah. Would, would it, to prevent anyone from leaving the house, could that be code for, like, stopping the wedding? Something like that, yes. Or, yes. it's not. Because the wedding was stopped simply by the, the feud occurring. Yes, true. What if it was the opposite? It was so that people would stay until 
we don't even know if she intended to keep it. We just know it was lost in the dumbwaiter in order to keep people... Well, not necessarily in order to keep people on the grounds, but if it was done in order to keep people on the grounds, it might be so that they could come to reconciliation instead about the shot. Yeah. That's just very fast for her to come to a conclusion like that, of like, oh, uh, someone got shot? I need to run back to the house. <laughs> I need to steal an eagle. Yeah. But money doesn't make sense. Fiance. No. Also doesn't make sense because we don't have anything pointing in the direction of Richard Harris. If it's hurt her uncle doesn't make sense either to me. If if it is her fiance on five eleven, we don't have anything. We don't have any leads to have gotten us there, anyways. Yeah. As soon as Holmes says, "Why do you think that?" We would be like, "I have no." I don't know. (laughs) Vibes, bro. So out of these, the only one I feel like I have any justification for in my head is one twenty three so far mm-hmm. off of what we have so i don't feel great about so, it but i feel less good about the other ones so 123 i think uh, stole maybe the wrong word for your niece's actions you say to the baffled colonel i think she simply hid the eagle probably because she knew that you would not let anyone leave while it was missing but why would she do such a thing the colonel demands obviously disturbed and confused by his niece's actions your niece is young romantic. Holmes answers. And she was distressed to see her friend Susan Mortimer's engagement broken. She hoped that if Sneed and the Mortimers were forced to remain uh, here, a reconciliation would occur. It what? is an unlogical reason for a grand theft, but then... <laughs> God! What?! In the voice of this 1985's man... It is an illogical reason for a grand theft, but then women have been known to be quite illogical at times. Unlike us, you, who almost flogged my <laughs> second detective. Uh-huh. You're running around with a riding crop. <laughs> Good lord. Anyway, the conversation lags for a minute. <laughs> After that cringe remark from Mr. Watson, or Mr. Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> this just a beat. Everyone in silence is like, oh boy. Okay, even now, my man, even now. <laughs> Ooh. And then Watson says, The theft of the eagle was one small matter. All I don't understand is the shooting of Lieutenant Mortimer. Who was responsible for the shooting? And why? Oh, uh, yes, the colonel adds. Who loaded the dueling pistol with a real bullet? Oh, I imagine our friend can explain the matter. Holmes says, looking at you. You think for a moment before offering your solution. If you don't know, 147. If you say Sneed, 148. Fox, 168. Grayson, 173. Captain Leaf, 175. Mortimer, 183. Colonel, 186. If you say nobody did, turn to 202. Nobody did! I think that... I don't think anyone did off of... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that this book is giving us lots of options. Yeah. On this. This is great. I really, 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 really am liking this ending so far. As far as mm-hmm. bringing. Which is the most important part for satisfaction in a mystery novel. Yeah. Is, is the ending. It needs to be satisfying. So, so far, so good. 202. Uh, spoilers for what I'm going to say at the end. This is my favorite construction of one of these novels so far. <laughs> oh, for sure. 202. Uh, 2.02. No one put a bullet in Sneed's gun. You say confidently. What? What do you mean? 
The colonel gasps. Are you insane, man? I saw the shot fired myself. Perhaps you should explain. Holmes says. If you've checked cl clue T turned to 207, have we? Uh-uh. Yeah, I think that'd be the thing that proves that it's not a... Otherwise, turn to 260. Oh, boy. You consider the evidence that you have, deciding which clue to discuss first. If you've checked clue U, turn to 208. Nope. Turn to 213. Okay. All right. Well. <laughs> come, come, man. The colonel says in an irritated voice. If you know something, tell us. You must have grounds for this amazing statement. You hurriedly phrase your reply. If you've checked clue V, turn to 588, have we? No. Oh, God. I mean, I guess we didn't have proof. Maybe we should have said, I don't know. Desperately, you bring to mind any evidence that will support your statement. If you've checked clue S, turn to 522. Right? <laughs> no? Uh, we don't no. have... Wow. No we, clue S. We can't even mention the hunch. <laughs> so you have... Holmes asks coldly. It's always wise to back your conclusions with evidence. Guessing correctly <laughs> is a useful talent to fortune tellers alone. How do you suppose he guessed right? Watson Holmes asks Holmes. You weren't there. We were. If you want Holmes's explanation, turn to 194. Or if you want to investigate the whole case again, go to the prologue. Can I mean, we say something else like Grayson loaded the guns or something dumb like that? Hmm. Do you want to... Hmm. Hmm. Well, but we also would know that he had. We we know that he hadn't. Mm-hmm. We know that he couldn't have. Even if he's even if he is responsible in any way, he. It's just not true that he loaded the guns. Nobody that mm -hmm. was there at night loaded the guns. Even if they yeah. are, the people who the person who shot, which also begs the question: Why were they at, there at all? Yeah, I, I was almost entertaining the possibility that it was two different people at different times. One of them loaded the guns, and then one of them unloaded them. Yeah. Huh. Well, what do you want to do in this situation? I'm surprised- Annoyingly, I... we're not going to know where any of those clues are gathered from. Yeah. Uh, so, fundamentally, we can only ask Holmes to explain and hope that our explanation yeah. of- Grayson required money and therefore set up this duel such that there would be a, a wounded party. Uh, and well, actually, wait, we know that Grayson's a good shot. What we know that from is the, uh, yes. the shooting competitions at the very start. Yes. So we know that Grayson easily could have fired the shot, could have taken the gun, could have fired from the woods or somewhere else. It also does... And we know he has money troubles. But that follows up with, okay, well, if he has money troubles, how does he... How, how would this solve it? Because Miss Dunlop is the one who hid the eagle. So... Yeah, I, I, I'm always wondering if it's possible that uh, he was going to steal it, but she stole it first. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, maybe. That might be the case. Uh, I think we just have to say 194, we just didn't get the right clues. Mm-hmm. I think that, I think that's fine. 194 it is. Nobody put a bullet in the dueling pistol. Holmes announces flatly. The others stare at him for a second. Nonsense! The colonel snaps. 
I saw one man fire and the other four bleeding from the shot. What do you mean? Yes, Holmes. What's Nads? You really must explain what you mean. You did not see what occurred, however. Holmes answers. I knew Sneed was not responsible as soon as you described the wound to me. Think of how a man stands ready for a duel. He points his side towards his opponent and turns his head to face him. It would have been impossible, physically impossible, for a shot from Sneed's gun to have scraped the back of Mortimer's neck. Hmm. So we did have to pry at the location of the gunshot. Mm-hmm. But Which... also, didn't we? Didn't we do all, like, hey, tell us about this shot? And we got, no, it was definitely from the gun. It was definitely from... No, that's because we said that it was what we pried with. We jumped the gun a bit. No pun intended. We jumped the gun a bit. And what we asked was, this bullet, did the bullet really come from a dueling pistol? And the answer mm -hmm. we got was, that's irrelevant. And I guess it mm. is, but what, because what we should have asked then was about the location, which, mm -hmm. I mean, it feels like we should have been able to ask both, I guess. But either way, 536. So we admit that a marksman shot Mortimer. <gasps> Ooh! Oh! Okay. Holmes says, That leaves one more crucial question for our friend. Consider the evidence which you've discovered and tell us who hid in the woods and shot Mortimer. Yes, tell us, lad! The colonel urges. If you accuse Harris, 220. Badger Phillips, 592. Grayson, 250. We'd... Hell Here's our yeah. shot we were... to redeem a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I thought we were in the, the end cutscene, but no, we are not. Yeah, we... Okay. We can at least get uh, a little Grayson. bit of our honor back. Exactly. Grayson, the solicitor, was the hidden marksman. You announce? So you say. Holmes replies as he fills his pipe. But I've seen this trick before. Do you have any evidence this time? If you've checked clue Q, turn to 594. We have not. Otherwise, if you've checked deduction 12, 229, otherwise 237. Have we? We have checked 12, and that was Grayson being nervous before it. Gotcha. Yeah, there was just so much, yeah, about that. Grayson was very nervous that morning. You explain? He had no reason to be so, thus I think the tension arose from his plans for the day. Hmm, hardly evidence. Holmes sniffs. Hardly more than a baseless assumption. What else do you know? If you've checked clue, I turned to 241, otherwise 281. Have we? Ah, <sighs> no. Yeah. There's like, there was a whole freaking book that happened that we weren't a, a part of. Mm-hmm. I guess staying home, maybe. Yeah, I guess so. You desperately strive to recall evidence while the others watch. Oh, God, I'm getting anxiety. Listen, I, 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 I mean. <laughs> if you checked clue G or clue H, turn to 282, otherwise 288. We checked both. Okay, thank God. The first night I was here. You say? I surprised someone in the gun room looking at the dueling pistols. I think it was Grayson. Taking a breath, you outlined the evidence. Holmes listens carefully. You have some proof, he says finally. Though I would like to see more concrete evidence. Turn to 604. Hey, you know, it's something. Do you know why Grayson shot Mortimer? Holmes asks. The evidence you offer is not overwhelming. Thus, you must demonstrate a motive to prove your case. You consider your evidence. If you've checked clue L and either clue K or N, turn to 301. If you check clue L, 299, otherwise 572. Money trouble? His money troubles are K. We have not checked L. Are you kidding me? 
Oh no. Maybe if we go to maybe five seventy two will give us to a spot where we can at least mention K. Holmes listens to your vague explanation of the motive, then shakes his head. You've not established a motive. He says. You must do better in future investigations. It's not enough to be right. You must also prove that you are right. Ouch. 303. We, uh, to be fair, we do not have more than... Uh, we, we don't have more than... He has money troubles and he's an expert shot. That is all yeah. we have. So and also and, that we saw him. And we saw him at, at that... Yeah, that is, that's the big one. I think that's yeah. the big one why we tunnel visioned. He also ensured the eagle he planned personally that, to attend. I mean, like, we've too, got a lot of things. There's a lot of elements. That, yeah. Just nothing conclusive. Yeah. Anyway. But why did Grayson shoot Mortimer? Watson demands. I learned the answer to that question while pursuing my own research in Gunst. Oh, great. So it's a clue that we couldn't have possibly seen. Wow. Replies Holmes, crushing his cigarette in an ashtray at his side. I found an old will and trust which stipulate that a large sum of money will be paid to Mr. Sneed and Ms. Mortimer when they wed. Our friend Grayson is the sole trustee. I'm certain that he's already committed the money to his future project, the Whitby and York Railway. If Grayson were forced to pay out money from the estate, it would ruin him and sink the company as well. The railway is, of course, quite short of cash. Grayson knew it. Knew, rather, that if it appeared that Sneed shot Mortimer... The wedding would no doubt be cancelled. What an amazing scheme, Watson says thoughtfully. Scoundrel was lucky, crack shot or not, that he didn't wound Mortimer seriously. You and the Colonel agree. I'll deal with this matter, Mr. Holmes, the Colonel says. Please stay here as my guest. The next day, an evening flyby, marked by the happiness of the two couples planning their weddings. Of course, Thomas Grayson leaves hurriedly the next morning. On the return trip to London, you try and listen to Holmes as he discusses the jewel theft of Cornwall, but your mind runs to a different question. Will you be able to try your hand at another puzzling case? The end. We okay. will indeed. In yeah, one more. Time. Yeah, one more. We do indeed have another. Uh, I Yeah, I would say as a whole, as a... I mean, even though we didn't... I It has me wondering, yeah, how we miss this entire chunk i think it has elements to do with the skipping some things via other uh, otherwise flips that we were assuming might have had some time sensitivity to them but didn't which is such a it's such a it's an inconsistent thing in the books in general that being said i think mm -hmm. this is my favorite just the structure is yep. so strong. I think this is, and I think it's a fun, I think it's a really fun one. It was very fun to try and puzzle this one out. It was the most fun to try and puzzle this one out and actually try and solve this one in a meta way. I really liked it. I think the multiple moving pieces, I think that it was a fun, it's just like a fun flavor, like the dual recreation idea. I, yeah, this is the best one, I think, to me. Mm-hmm. By far, far uh, yeah, and I, uh, away. Yeah, structure structurally, I think it's not even close. Uh, theme and story wise, I'd say it's it's ahead by a, a mile as well. But structurally, man, I wish they were all like this, and I wish there was a lot more. <laughs> but mm -hmm. hey, but hey, uh, I'm glad we made it here. At, at the very least, we made it here. Not that the others were not good, 
just this one's banging. <laughs> but do you have any other thoughts on this one? I like that it was the first one to utilize our inventory system in any reasonable fashion True. as well. Although, what would the walking cane have done? We never ran into a single check the walking cane could have been used for. Great question. A strangeness, to be sure, but I wonder if the next one will follow more in the vein of this, or if perhaps... It... Wait, I don't think it was written by a different person. I think it... this was another Gerard Leans, So uh, This one is written by a different one than the last one. The next one is written by the same person as the last one. Okay. We shall see. Uh, anywho, you want to take us to our thank you for the week? Absolutely. We have executive producers for each episode of Turn to Page, and the executive producer of this episode is Adams. Thank you very kindly, Adams. Much appreciated for uh, supporting the podcast over on Turn to... No, I tried to stop myself from doing that, and I still <laughs> did it again. Patreon.com slash Turn to Pagecast. Patreon.com slash Turn to Pagecast. At or above the hardcover tier. Thank you especially to Adams, but to all of our producers over there for helping us run the show at not a deficit, or rather, well, getting us towards <laughs> breaking even. Not, <laughs> thanks for helping us run as not, at not as much of a deficit to our yes. supporters over on, on Patreon. Uh, yeah, extra special thank you to uh, to Mr. Adams. Huge thank you. Uh, and yeah, like I said, wonderful thank you all around for helping us run at a, at a, at a less negative cost that's great it's been it's been wonderful to do and thank you to them for helping it to uh to keep it going but hey uh yeah that's that if you want to help support in a free way there's a youtube channel youtube.com slash at turn to pagecast you can go over there and subscribe for completely free that helps out a lot with kind of getting things going in the algorithm liking the videos listening to the podcast over there uh you know or any on any of the other streaming services and leaving reviews those are all completely free ways to help us out and to also potentially help us not run this at a deficit while not making your without paying money so basically alchemy you can like you can help reduce the deficit out of out of nowhere out of thin air boom bang boom just with your uh your support and goodwill but hey uh that's that it's gonna do it here for today thank you for listening we'll see you next time bye adios